0: Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the radio octagon. This is The Sports Gage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball.
1: I'm always so intimidated coming on after that voice. Like, you know what I mean? Big Al Murdoch, voice of the sports cage on 620 CKRM. When he belts that out, then I come on and sound like I'm a 13-year-old going through puberty. Hi, this is Ballsy.
2: <laughs>
1: Michael Ball, the corner of 12th and Rose. Nice sunny. It's a dry cold. What is it, like minus 13, minus 14? Not too bad. Ballsy along with Zinger. We got a great show lined up. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza hotline, and when we talk about Western Pizza, we'll tell you, dine in, take out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. The semifinal spotlight shining brightly on Halifax, Nova Scotia, and right now, Czechia taking on Sweden, and the Swedes in the second period have a one-nothing lead over Stanislav Sposel, the Regina Pat, and the Czechia squad, who have been the uh, talk of the tournament besides Connor Bedard. Oh, don't forget about Bedard. He and Team Canada, around 5 o'clock our time or just after, ready to take to the ice against those hated Americans. But let's get right to it. You heard the guy kick off the show, Al Murdoch, voice of the Sports Cage, voice of 620 CKRM, also public address announcer for the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, it was New Year's Day, uh, no, sorry, it was January 2nd, wasn't it? Second? Yeah. And I'm driving around, and my buddy Sean Kleisinger texts me and says, I I think Al Murdoch is the voice of the Outdoor Classic. So I didn't get to see it. I rewound the game, and yeah, sure enough, Al's the guy, and he's joining us now on the Western Pizza Hotline. Happy New Year, Al.
0: Happy New Year to you, and happy to be on the Radio Octagon.
1: Oh, it's awesome, man. So my first question to you is, when did you realize you had a great voice?
0: Um, I was probably six, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> I, mean, I remember uh, uh, turning on the radio uh, for the first time and hearing a voice come out of that little speaker. And I, and I felt an instant connection uh, with that voice and whoever it was talking to me. And from that moment on, and I, I think I knew I wanted to do something with my voice, so I just started practicing at about six years old.
1: Okay, so that's perfect because I started practicing to being the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders when I was six, broadcasting on my grandparents' front grass in Indian Head, Saskatchewan, making up up stats, talking to myself, the neighbor probably looking at me, who's the weird kid throwing the ball to himself. (laughs) So that's what I did. But where did you practice?
0: Um, You know what? I practiced everywhere. Uh, I remember my father bringing home a transistor radio that that dates us a little bit. Uh, uh, And it had a little leather strap on it. So I would, uh, you know, ride my bike around the neighborhood, you know, mocking, not really mocking, but uh, listening to the voices coming out and then doing impressions of those voices as I was riding around the neighborhood. You'd think you got some weird looks. (laughs) Al, so...
1: uh Who made an impression on you? Who did you try to copy or emulate?
0: Oh, gosh, back then, um, I mean, I was six. I I probably can't remember most of the names, but I remember years later, uh, you know, graduating from from high school and and going down to one of the local radio stations here in uh, Vancouver and uh, just kind of, you know, dropping by the station every second day for four weeks until they hired me. And some of those big voices, one of which was uh, a man by the name of John Ashbridge. And John was uh, uh, this big, booming news voice uh, for a sta- a new, the news station out here. And not only that, but he was the public address announcer for the Vancouver Canucks. So imagine being an 18-year-old kid right out of high school, getting a job after persistence, and then sitting down, operating the control board, and the big voice of John Ashbridge comes in and says, Who are you? And then I said, I'm Al. Oh, well, I'm John Ashbridge. I go, I know. And from that moment on, uh, to, to go years later and to take over for John Ashbridge as the PA voice here in Vancouver was uh, was a dream come true.
1: So how long, Al Murdoch, have you been doing public address for the Vancouver Canucks?
0: Uh, it's going on 12 years now. Uh, John uh, had the job from 1987 uh, onwards. And then back when the Canucks and Bruins were going through that wonderful Stanley Cup final. Well, leading up to that final, John actually had a health scare, had a heart attack in the first round of the playoffs. And I was the former uh, PA announcer for the Vancouver Grizzlies uh, here in Vancouver and still had a lot of connections with the company. So they phoned me up in a panic and said, listen, John's in the hospital. Can you come in and work a couple of games until he comes back? And that's kind of when it started. And then as John came back, of course, he, he only he missed two games because he was such a tough guy. He uh, he came back and then started to want to scale back his, his role uh, as doing the PA and wanted to spend more time with his family and vacation and do all of that kind of stuff. So we shared the role for a number of years, and I officially... Kind of took over doing all the games in uh, 2016.
1: Al Murdoch, voice of 620 CKRM and the Sports Cage, also a public address announcer for the Vancouver Canucks. We'll get into the uh, the Winter Classic in a second, but you mentioned Vancouver Grizzlies and my producer here, Sean Kleisinger, is a big Milwaukee Bucks fan. So I'm going to ask you a question: What is harder to do, public address announcer for basketball or hockey?
0: Well, uh, you know, obviously different games. Uh, in in the NBA, there's potential scoring every 24 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're constantly having to be, uh, I mean, not like I'm not paying attention watching hockey, but because of the fact that there's so much scoring and there's so much going on, uh, you have to be maybe uh, a little bit more alert when you're, when you're doing uh, basketball because you're right there at center court and you're watching the plays, and you're calling fouls, and you're calling, uh, you know, scores, you're doing all of that stuff. But uh, hockey, I mean, it's a different beast altogether. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot going on there as well. I mean, I can't, it's really, really tough to compare those. I mean, I've done baseball as well. And baseball, of course, you're basically just introducing the batters as they go up, doing the scores at the end of the innings and all that stuff so there's uh there's there's pluses to to all sports
1: yeah absolutely al so do you have to do you have to kind of watch like do you get can you really watch and appreciate the game because you're there doing a job you got people in your ear you got to do stats you got to read like for instance do you you know Kobe Bryant's running by you, or Shaquille O'Neal. Do you do you kind of get caught up in the game a bit, or or Connor McDavid blowing down the wing, deking out some people?
0: Well, you, you know, you do you do admire the talents of all of these fantastic athletes, and I do remember when Michael Jordan came to uh, to Vancouver to play the Grizzlies for the first time with the Bulls, and there's that great classic story about him not having a great game. Uh, I think he had scored maybe, I don't know, 12 points up until the uh, fourth quarter where he, you know, he he took himself out of the game in the third. And then one of the players, Derek Martin uh, of the Grizzlies, hit a three and put the Grizzlies up, I think, probably by about seven or eight points. And then looked at uh, Michael on the bench and said, hey, Mike, having an off game, huh? well that's when michael decided phil put me back into the game he scored 19 straight points and uh beat us
1: yeah that's crazy hey here's a grizzlies question for you if vince carter goes to the vancouver grizzlies and not the toronto raptors are the grizzlies still in the nba
0: you know what that's yeah that's a tough one um you know, Vince Carter was such a, a you know, a, a guy that affected uh, the game in itself so much and, of course, helped Toronto. But, you know, at the time, we came in at the same time. Uh, you know, we took Brian Big Country, Reeves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they they took different players. But you got to remember the size of the city that we are compared to Toronto, the, the the amount of money that they had behind them to keep that franchise going, franchise going through the lean years. Uh, so... Whether we had Vince Carter, we had an opportunity, of course, to to get Steve Nash as he was coming into the draft. That would have been a wonderful guy, a local guy coming into the you know uh, the, the the market. You know, People ask me, you know if we would have done things different, would, would we still be here? Absolutely. But again, the dollar was under 70 cents. We were a smaller market. Um, you know, we had to sell the team. I mean, there's so many questions that uh, that I, I don't have the answer to, unfortunately.
1: Al Murdoch was the voice just this past week of the uh, Winter Classic, the Boston Bruins with a 2-1 win over the Pittsburgh Penguins at Fenway Park. What was that experience like?
0: Well, it's my third one that I've done. I've been lucky enough to, uh, back in 2019, was asked to, to be a part of the production crew that goes to all of the big NHL signature events, the Winter Classic, the the All-Star Weekend, the Signature Series, and, of course, every couple of years with the uh, Heritage Classic in Canada. Uh, This one, at least for me personally, I mean, we couldn't have picked a better day for the game. The weather was perfect. Uh, The venue couldn't have been more, uh, you know, ideal. Fenway Park to watch hockey. Green Monster in the background. Uh, The game a little slow to begin with but of course that third period was was fantastic especially for Bruins fans so for me personally this by far was uh, the most fun for me
1: hey speaking of that Al will you uh will you get to call the uh, Heritage Classic uh, the Oilers and the Flames the 20th anniversary I believe of the very first outdoor game when Edmonton and Montreal played in that frigid game at Commonwealth in 2003 will you be behind the mic do you think for that one
0: I will definitely be behind the mic for that one. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, it's every couple of years. So we had a great time in Hamilton, mm-hmm. uh, the last time around with the, uh, the Leafs and the Buffalo Sabres. But, uh, you know, to have that Battle of Alberta, that's going to be fun.
3: Yeah, for sure.
1: Hey, do, okay, listen. Mile High Roach. Alan Roach. Voice of uh, yeah. does the NFL, the Super Bowl. You know him, just, but I'm just filling in the fans. He's the guy that's the Minnesota Vikings public address announcer and for the Colorado Avalanche. So he goes by Mile High Roach. What is Al yeah. Murdoch's nickname? you got to have a cool nickname when you got pipes like that.
0: Well, you know, growing up as an Al, you know, you always get the big Al. Right. So... You, you referred to me as Big Al Murdoch. I've always been Big Al Murdoch. And uh, if you want to reference that with a big voice, I'll take it any day.
1: Well, I can't. Okay, there's one last thing I need you to do for me, okay? Can you do this for uh, me? I need you to say in your deep voice, I hate broccoli.
0: I hate broccoli.
1: <laughs> I love it. Al, you're the best. Thanks for coming on.
0: Thank you, Michael. It's always great to talk to uh, the people of Virginia and all of Saskatchewan and, again, to be a part of the number one radio sports talk show in Saskatchewan. It's the Sports Cage with Michael Ball. I love it.
1: Thanks, man. Take care.
0: Cheers all
1: the best. That's Al Murdoch. Big Al as we like to call him around here, a good friend of ours and of course, you know you talk about us talking here. This guy is the voice of the Sports Cage and you'll hear him throughout the show. This is the Sports Cage on
0: 620. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Big Al, Al Murdoch, voice right there. We just
1: had him on. You missed the interview. We'll replay it a little later on in our Where Are They Now segment because we got to find a way to get him back on the show. Where Are They Now? You're like, Where did that voice go? Well, he was just on the show, and we will have him on again. All right, so this. You know, we always look at uh, the grassroots of football, okay? And uh, I do a podcast called Growing the Game with Ballsy, and we uh, chat with a bunch of different local football people, not only there, but on this uh, show. And uh, coming up this weekend, it's the NDSU Bisons, North Dakota State University Bisons from Fargo. Yeah, boo. Taking on the South Dakota State University Jackrabbits. Boo! Because my kid plays at UND. I can't like either team. But I do cheer for SDSU when UND is out because... There are two Regina kids on the team. Ethan Vibert, offensive, backup offensive lineman, backup center. He actually played in a game this year and got hurt. He's uh, been on special teams, and so is this guy. This guy went to Sheldon as a receiver for a couple of years in um, high school, then went down to Florida to prep school, and has now made the uh, switch to safety with uh, South Dakota State University. And uh, those teams meet in the FCS Championship in Texas this weekend. Here is Max Pauluschuck with Sean Kleisinger. I'm joined
4: by Regina's own safety for the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, Max Polischuk on the Western Pizza Hotline. His number one Jackrabbits are getting set to play in the Division I FCS Championship this Sunday against the defending champion number three-ranked North Dakota State Bison. And this is the first time these two schools will meet in the national championship. Both teams from uh, the Missouri Valley Football Conference. And the game is set to be played at Toyota Stadium in Frisco, Texas. That's the home stadium of Major League Soccer's FC Dallas. So it's uh, the perfect football stadium as well. The FCS National Championship has been played there annually since 2010. Max, thanks for carving out a few minutes of your time. I'm assuming it's a busy week for yourself.
3: Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's pretty busy, but thank you for
4: having me. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Brookings, South Dakota. Uh, one of the biggest names in WWE history was born in Brookings. A little bit of trivia. Oh, really? Yeah, the best interviewer in the history of pro wrestling, Mean Gene Okerlund, was born in Brookings, South Dakota. He passed away a few years ago, but uh, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame a few years ago. So there's some knowledge for you. It won't help you win the national championship this weekend, but you can uh, stump your teammates on some trivia with that one. Wow. Yeah. Max Pauluschuk, before we talk national championship, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you what was uh, going through your mind on Monday night while Damar Hamlin was uh, down on the field. You know, I'm asking someone in yourself who puts his body on the line just like Hamlin does. What kind of emotion did Monday stir up for yourself?
3: Uh, it was first and foremost like a, just a tragic, uh, like incident. I, I, it was, it, it was scary to be, to be sure, but. I I think that like playing the game, you kind of understand the risks and and stuff involved, but it's still scary to see, and it it, kind of put into perspective how how real something like that can be and that it it, it really can happen. It it, it was scary to see, but I'm praying that uh, he's all right and everything uh, goes well for him. Yeah, Have you ever been in
4: a situation, maybe not quite like that, but a situation where you've seen uh, one of your teammates or one of uh, the players from the opposing team be carried off the field?
3: I have. In the provincial championship back in Canada against uh, Bishop James Mahoney in Saskatoon, Uh, one of our players had went down uh, and he was out on the field and he had to get carted off in, in that game. Oh man, must
4: have been a scary time Max Polischuk on the Western Pizza Hotline Max, you're from Regina You played some uh, high school football Like you just mentioned with Sheldon Williams And you went down to Florida and won a state championship With Clearwater Academy International High School Just take us through your uh, story How you went from Regina down to Florida
3: well, I had uh, a, a lot of interesting experiences, but uh, I had been led to, uh, and com- mainly communicated over Twitter with uh, Coach Jesse, who was the head coach at Clearwater Academy, uh, about the possibility of moving down there. And I think through uh, even through my freshman year, I, the plan to play down south was always the, the main goal, and so... I thought that taking my talents to a a prep school down south would give me the best opportunity to play at the next level in Division One football, and uh, it did lead me to my home here with the Jackrabbits.
4: Yeah. So, what was that experience like playing high school football down in Florida? Was there a lot of big crowds that you played in front of?
3: Uh, Honestly, there weren't too many. There was a few away games where we played, but our home game—I mean, our school was. 300 students Mm. from kindergarten to grade 12. It was basically our senior class was the football team. But uh, we played in front of some away crowds with a couple thousand people and so that's that's pretty special and it kind of in a way it prepared me for playing in front of 20,000 here in college.
0: Yeah,
4: South Dakota state in Brookings, South Dakota, uh I mean, I think Brookings has about 25,000 people that live in it and the regular season this past year here, uh the Jackrabbits they averaged around like 18,000 fans per game. So it's like a true college town where over 70% of the population man is attending the football game. What's that like?
3: Yeah, the 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 whole city, like the whole town, bleeds blue and gold. Mm. It's uh, it's special. Everybody's a jackrabbit at heart, and everybody loves the team. You everywhere you go, if it's breakfast and like everybody's got their jackrabbit gear on. It's a proud town for sure.
4: It kind of sounds like Friday Night Lights with uh, Mike Winchell and Booby Miles <laughs> down there in yeah. Odessa, Texas. So you guys defeated Delaware, Holy Cross, and Montana State on the way to reaching Sunday's final, and uh, you guys defeated the Bison in the regular season this year, 23-21. to 21. That game was at uh, the Fargo Dome in Fargo, North uh, Dakota there, so what's this week been like knowing that you guys are going down to Texas to play a national
3: championship? Well, I mean, the the main goal is just to keep all our routines the same, and to, it, it it isn't just any other game, but to go in with the confidence that we can win like the last game was close and the Bison are a tough opponent, it's a rivalry game it'll always be a a good one but I think we've we've prepared really well, and we believe that the game's won with our preparation, and I think we've won so far.
4: Your team, the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, your only loss of the season came in week one, way back in week one, and it was against the Big Ten's Iowa Hawkeyes. I think 7-3 was the final, and then since then, 13 straight wins for you guys. So a uh, very impressive streak you've been on. Michael Ball was saying this once, that Ethan Ball, his son, he plays for North Dakota Fighting Hawks and he played in Lincoln, Nebraska, and he had this one moment where he was kind of just sitting back there in the secondary. The sun was kind of glistening off his visor, and he thought to himself, man, I can't believe I'm playing in Nebraska right now. Is there any situation or a moment like that for you in this past season that kind of comes to mind where you think to yourself, man, I am playing Division One
0: football?
3: Yeah, running out running the tunnel never gets old. I'll tell you that right now. It, it's just where you're ready to go and then through the smoke and you see 20,000 people all on their feet and cheering in the student section straight out from the, the tunnel. It's pretty awesome to see a whole group of people all cheering for you and what you're doing and taking time out their day to see you play.
4: Yeah, well, we'll be cheering for you on Sunday, my friend. Regina's on. We're proud of you. and. Uh, We'll be wearing the blue and gold on Sunday. There's no doubt about it. Hoping that you guys bring home the FCS uh, Division 1 championship against those North Dakota State Bison. We don't like the Bison around here. So, uh, we're cheer for the Jackrabbits on Sunday. Max Paulus Chuck, thank you for uh, joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline and good luck on Sunday.
0: Yeah, thank you for ha- The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. And we're back with the sports ticker for Bronco
4: Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed they'll treat you right, 781-2090. So it's a big night for Canadian hockey, North American hockey for that matter. Team Canada and the United States will go at it in the semifinal at the World Junior Hockey Championship. Czechia is taking on Sweden right now. Sweden with a one-to-nothing lead with 14-15 remaining in the third period of play.
0: Here are Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. What a rush.
4: Saskatchewan Rush Report. Voice of the Saskatchewan Rush on TSN, ESPN, and the Rush Radio Network, Cody Jansen with us.
5: Hey, happy to be here. Always down to talk some Rush lacrosse.
4: Let's go. Let's talk some lacrosse, man. And our fan base here in Regina, we love lacrosse, but maybe we're not quite as familiar as the fan base up in Saskatoon, and well, I guess that's for obvious reasons, because the Rush play in Saskatoon. So maybe just fill in the Regina fan base on how Cody Jansen and got to be where he is, the voice of the Saskatchewan Rush.
5: Well, as someone who grew up south of Swift Current, I know a little bit about not having lacrosse as one of the main sports in the area. So it was really something that wasn't easy to get into as a kid where hockey really dominated in Southern Saskatchewan. But as I got older, I got to see some of my cousins out in Alberta playing the game fell in love with it obviously anyone who's been to a game or seen it knows that it's just pure 60 minutes of excitement so yeah. I-, I knew it was always something i wanted to get into once i got to the media side of the world and being able to call a lot of games you know in the rocky mountain lacrosse league and such led to a couple of opportunities got to do the world championships back in 2019 when it was in canada and yeah i mean once the the rush opportunity opened up it was the no-brainer easiest decision of my life yeah
4: so the this- Saskatchewan rush right now. They're sitting at 2-1 and one on the young season. Their last game was a 11-9 to nine win on New Year's Eve against Panther City. Friday, January 13th is their next game down in Colorado. What have you liked about the team so far this year? And uh, what are you expecting coming up here on Friday down in uh, Colorado
5: against the Mammoth? Super weird start to the season. The schedule has been all over the place. Russia have been dealing with injuries since the preseason. So to say it's a rocky start is probably an understatement. But again, you open it up with a huge win at home over Colorado. Then you go down to San Diego, you know, six days later you play 50 great minutes, and you have a 10-minute collapse, and it ends up costing you against the best, you know, one of the best teams on paper in the league, and then you get three weeks off to sit and, you know, think about what just happened, Very and then odd. New Year's Eve, you, you have to come back to the tell Center to close out 2022 against the Panther City team. That is, was 2-1 and one coming into that game, but they had already played three games this season, so that's not an easy task against a Tracy Golosky slide That's you know, they're they're a gritty team, no there's no free space on the bingo card when you're playing Panther City. So that was a hard gutted out win at home. And now you've got the Colorado Mammoth coming up who, yeah, you embarrassed them in your home opener. You beat them 18-6, to six. the defending champions. You know, you really put a mark on their nose with that one. So you know Pat Coyle is going to have his team ready to go. And for Saskatchewan, you're going into – you know, another intimidating atmosphere, much like the SaskTel Center, where you know it's going to be loud. You know that there's going to be some extra energy, some motivation, and it's going to be a physical, tight-checking game. And, you know, Colorado is going to want to prove something. So for Saskatchewan, you've got two weeks off right now. You've got to get healthy, but you also have to be prepared to face a much better Colorado team than you saw in week one.
4: We're looking forward to it, man. Friday, January 13th, a Saskatchewan Rush at the Colorado Mammoth. Cody Jansen, thank you, my friend. Your Saskatchewan Rush Report.
0: The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
1: All right, speaking with Hall of Famer, and now coach with the Calgary Stampeders, Nick Lewis. Back where it all began in the CFL, Nick. How does that feel?
6: Feels good. Um, feels good. Definitely didn't know I was going to be uh, back in the coaching world. Um, you know, so it, it feels good to, to be back and, you know, just to be able to influence the, the next generation.
1: So how did this come to be? Did you uh, kind of look into it? Did they approach you? How did it work, if you don't mind telling me?
6: Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I talked to a couple teams um, prior to Great Cup, and then um, then I talked to Dave at Great Cup, talked to Huff at Great Cup, and that's how it really started. Uh, I wasn't actively seeking to get back into the CFL or into the coaching world in, the, in this capacity. Um, uh, you know, I've been, I've been enjoying my time training kids here in SAS. I've been enjoying my time, uh, training or coaching with the SAS selects. So it, it wasn't something that was on my radar, but I just felt like the opportunity was too great to pass up. And I mean, The stability of the coaching staff there in Calgary and the ownership group and uh, everything else that they have there is is a very attractive situation and and understanding that, you know, it's not just a one-year deal.
1: So what are you looking uh, at in terms of what your responsibilities will be? I was talking to Naaman Roosevelt here. I assumed he'd be the receivers coach. He said it's going to be a little bit of everything with the riders. Is that what it's going to be like for you too? Are you going to be a Swiss Army knife on offense or what are you doing?
6: I'll be the receiver coach um, for the Stamps. But, you know, uh, I think with the with the coaching staff that they have assembled, with uh, Pat DeMonaco and Mark Mueller, uh, Dave Dickinson and, and J.R., who I, I haven't met Jr. yet, but just understanding them and uh, how they've been in Calgary for the longest time together and really just trying to fit in and, and do my part, um, share my knowledge on, on certain things and, and do that. But... Uh, you know, I feel pretty comfortable with talking to to any player um as far as, you know, knowledge goes, whether it's in football, around football, outside of the game. But yeah, my main focus is going to be the receivers on the team and and making sure that they're consistent.
1: Now, my son is a defensive back, but uh, when you were coaching him in the park in Lake Ridge, you were coaching him uh, receiver drills, which translate to defensive back as well. But you, uh, you never used a football. It was all technique. It was all separation. It was all body control. What is your best aspect as a coach, do you think?
6: You know I think it's just mindset mentality but also I've I've gotten so used to uh with the training uh I've trained I've trained a D1 college quarterback I've trained you know B1 receivers uh, I got a running back at Alabama I got a receiver at um at Utah and I just had a defensive end linebacker at Northwestern at a DB at Purdue and you know you talk about Ethan but I I'm so used to now being able to work with guys on the fundamentals I've been in position to make plays and and really help to develop their school or their their skill set. Um that's one of my, my one of my strengths, but you know really the way I played the game was a mental with really cerebrally that allowed me to go out and play at a high level consistently. You know, everybody's got talent in pro football. And and if you're just looking for your talent to separate you, it only separates you for so long. If you want to have a long career, uh, if you want to build on something then you have to start seeing the field differently and better. Uh, so I, I feel like I have some, some strengths in, in multiple areas from the mentality, uh, the way you play, the way you see the game, but also uh, correcting some of the physical tools that allow you to be more consistent in a position to make a play.
1: Now you weren't a Hall of Famer when you came here, but you were a Hall of Famer in terms of your mentality. Uh, but what did you see about our field and our game that you immediately took a liking to?
6: I love this game. I think it's a game of skill uh, with two downs to make a first down instead of three. Uh, the motions and and everything else. I just feel like this game is is a lot more entertaining to watch. So, um, yeah, I, I think we you know and, and the game has gone more towards the entertainment space because you look at uh, the rule change in 2014 and how the the rules have changed where. It's less physicality and more skill and entertainment. Um, I really love that aspect of the game, and you know, look forward to being a part of it.
1: Did you uh, do you shudder to think what your numbers would have been like had uh, you know had uh, these rules always been in place for you? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> earlier in your career.
6: I mean, yeah, you know, you start to compare. Like I was in Montreal, I, I put up I think close to twelve hundred yards in year thirteen of my career. Um, where I was like, you know, a couple years removed from a major injury that they never thought I'd play again. And honestly, the game was so much easier, uh, from that standpoint for me, not saying for everybody, because everybody's playing the same game now, right? So I went from playing a game where you can be held, the DB can grab you and hold you or tackle you. As long as the quarterback doesn't throw you the ball, they're not throwing a flag. So it was, it was a lot different back then when you've seen a lot of man to man, press man at the line of scrimmage now you see a lot more cover four versions you see a lot more playing off so you don't get past interferences um just being able to see multiple people and, and do things so it creates a lot more space and entertainment for the offense.
1: Hall of Famer Nick Lewis joining us here. A teammate of ours on the sports cage. And of course, on our pre and uh, post game show, it's kind of cool. when you have a couple of big time stars like Wes Cates and Nick Lewis working your post game show. So, uh, and that won't be happening this year unless you're getting interviewed because you're a coach with the stamps. Okay. So let's talk about this for a second here. Uh, in terms of being a receiver, what's the key? What's the number one trait you got to have to be a-, a good receiver in the CFL?
6: I mean, I believe you have to have a, a general good understanding of the offense, but vision is probably the number one key, right? The more people you can see, the better uh, opportunity you're going to have to make plays. And I've always felt like that in understanding how to use our eyes um, properly and being able to understand what's happening in front of you. That's a, that's one of the number one traits, and, and that's why I say all the time it's not about really about skill. Because getting to points on the field, understanding what the defense is trying to take away and trying to do uh, will really help you to execute your job uh, to the highest degree. And, and understanding that you're in a team game and uh, every play you're not trying to get open. Sometimes you're trying to um, attract other people to your area so that you can get a teammate open. So 90% of what a receiver does is either blocking for somebody else or running a route for somebody else to get open. And you just hope that 10% uh, that the ball comes to you, that you're having that opportunity to to make a play.
1: Two more quick questions for you, Nick. Um, you have given back to the youth. We've already talked about that. Uh, you know, you did it when you were getting at the end of your career, giving back to your teammates. Who as a teammate and a coach helped you early on in your CFL career to the point where you are now, coach back in the league?
6: Jermaine Copeland, uh, no doubt about it. Um, Jermaine was a coach here in SAS as well. But, you know, for someone like him who's had success, he backed up Peyton Manning for two years at the University of Tennessee as a quarterback, moved a receiver, won a national championship with T Martin in Tennessee, played in the NFL, uh, put up an 1800 yard season in Montreal. Him and Ben Cahoon actually have the record for tandem receiving yards in a season, I think around 33, 3400 yards. Uh, but understanding someone with all that experience, and then for me going into my second year in Calgary and him coming to Calgary and and just saying, hey, you're part of the reason why I chose to come here uh was very valuable for me. And then someone that I that he put me under his wing and, and really started to pour into me that allowed me to become the player that I became. You know, he made he he said some really profound things early in my career, like, Look, you won't be as great if you bounce around from team to team because you just have talent. And that really stuck with me. Uh, and understanding to to build and, and mature, uh, you know, at 22, 23 years old. So, you know, I've always looked at how I train kids and how I pour into young adults or young athletes in the same way that he poured into me to give them the best chance possible um through the guidance.
1: All right. And lastly, Nick Lewis, you had a stint with the BC Lions. Now I know you don't live with regret because you've told me that many times, but I do want to ask you this, how will, if he will be, Nick Lewis be a different coach or what did you learn from that experience with the Lions that you'll take here and kind of craft and sharpen with the Calgary Stampeders?
6: You know, i take every experience as, as, you know, it's an experience and it's some place where you can grow and, and try to be better and when I look back at my BC days, I thought we executed really well. Um, I, I took a guy like John White, uh, who played his last year or, or second to last year in the, in the league, and he put up his only 1,000-yard season. Brandon Rutley averaged over 85 yards a start. Um, I had a guy in, in uh, Mario Villamizer as a fifth, sixth, seventh-round draft pick who became a starter during that season and executed really well. So uh, I always see how my interaction with the guys are. Uh, I'm very authentic. You know, people know me as, as me. I'm not going to change who I am. Uh, but at the same time, they understand what I expect. and It's a high level. But I'm also willing to be able to be that person that I'm passionate about you personally. To me, there's a lot of coaches that are are passionate about winning and they only care about you to the capacity of winning. I'm passionate about you as a person, and I'm passionate about being able to go out and win together uh, because it means so much more, and, you know, not everybody will make the team, and not everybody will end their careers the way they want to end them or start them the way they want to start them. Uh, but anything that I can do to assist them, that's that's where I want to be.
1: The CFL's better when Nick Lewis is in it, and he is again as an assistant coach, the receivers coach with the Calgary Stampeders. Thanks for your time, my friend.
0: Thanks. And Facebook. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM.
1: All right, time now to catch up with the voice of the Regina Pats, Dante DiCario on the Western Pizza Hotline. A happy new year to you, Dante.
2: Uh, Thanks for taking my call. Happy New Year, Michael. Hope everybody's doing well over there at the station.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Okay, before we get to Bedard and what's taking place tonight in Halifax, let's get to the Regina Pats. When I say Happy New Year, I hope it's a better New Year or a better start to it for the Pats. I did listen to the last game against PA, and I heard your interesting interview after the game with Ken Schneider, assistant coach, and Kenny wasn't too happy. He thought of uh, uh, you know, a pitiful effort almost in that game.
2: You know what, Michael, as I'm sure most of us, around the community of Regina, the coaching staff, the players and the media, Oken Schneider, you know that he's one of the most positive and nicest guys you'll ever meet. And I think it says a lot with how disappointed he was after that. I mean, you're talking about a guy who always tries to find a positive in something. And he said, to be quite frank, on the radio, that there was no positive. There was really nothing to say in terms of what the Pats did well in that hockey game. They're gonna have an opportunity to bounce back tonight against Brandon and let's hope they do that.
1: So uh Dante, a trade was made. The Pats get a couple of late round picks, one in twenty three, one in twenty twenty five. I think it's a fourth and a sixth rounder respectively for goalie Matthew Keeper. Just your thoughts on the trade.
2: Well, I think it's really important that they got a high fourth round pick. That fourth round pick belongs uh, through the Edmonton Oil Kings, which was then traded to Kamloops, and now Kamloops has traded it to Regina. And the reason why that that high fourth round pick is important was because you can't just get a sixth round pick; you need, you know, a higher pick. And yes, it's a mid round pick, but the, it's a higher pick because Edmonton is one of the the last place teams in the WHL, so it's going to be, say, a pick within the top five. Of the fourth round, so that's important. As far as the trade goes, though, I mean it, it really seems like that the Pats had made a decision on who their goaltending tandem was not just this year, but next year as well. So it's going to be Drew Sim as John Paddock spoke to the media yesterday said very well could be Drew Sim as the overage goalie next year, and Kelton Pine as an 18 year old backup. And then when Sim's done, Pine will be the at 19. At least that's what the coaching staff and the management staff projects. So that kind of left Matthew Keeper on the outside looking in. And, you know, this is a really good opportunity for Matthew. He was highly touted out of the 2019 draft. He was the pick of the Pats, one of the highest goalies drafted in that draft. And he has an opportunity to play on a Memorial Cup team, be the backup goaltender behind Ernst in Kamloops. Really happy to see what Matthew Keeper could do because things weren't just working out here with the Pats. I mean, his numbers weren't great. It seems like he was maybe lacking a little bit of confidence. I was having a difficult time keeping the puck out of his net. I think his last three games before he got traded, he had given up like 23 goals against. So I'm really happy to see Matthew potentially have a you know nice change of scenery and a bounce-back season for him. This is Dante
1: DiCari, a voice of your Regina Pats. Pats and the Brandon Weekings tonight pregame show at 6.35. Dante, I'm going to put you on the spot. Give me three... Regina, Pat's New Year's resolutions. What are three things you want to see from this team uh, to improve what they look like going forward?
2: Uh, I think they're going to need more well-rounded scoring. I mean, this team has relied upon five players to put the puck in the net. As long we've seen the struggles that they've had with Connor Bedard and Stanislas Bozo. So they're going to need guys like Sam Aremba, Braxton Whitehead, Zane Rowan you know, some of those bottom six guys to kind of step up and put the puck in the back of the net. Maybe some more consistent play from some of those players up front as well. So I think they're going to be more well-rounded scoring. Another thing, I mean, they've given up the fifth most goals against this season, and that's similar to where they were last year. Yes, the save percentage from Drew Sim has gone up, but his goals against average is well over three. He's facing way too many shots, and the Pats are giving up too many goals against. So the goals against and the shot differential needs to come down a lot, if this Pats team wants to make a run at things in the playoffs. That's my second point. My third point would also just, um, you know, find a way to, to win games when you're not necessarily playing at your best, but also find a way, you know, to win hockey games when, say, special teams isn't going right. And I'm not saying the Regina Pats haven't done this. We saw them do that Friday night against Prince Albert. They snuck out a huge two points with an overtime victory. But I think I just want to see that a little bit more from this team in the second half. Now, obviously, they might not even have to do that kind of stuff when they have guys like Connor Bedard and Sansa Sposal back, but I would say those are probably the three New Year's resolutions for this team.
1: All right, and Dante, you mentioned two names right there, Sposal and, of course, uh, Connor Bedard. Uh, Sposal, of course, having a great tourney with Czechia and Bedard. I mean, you see him every night. You see him at practice. He's otherworldly. You've said before you're running out of ways to describe him. One thing that struck me in this tournament, and – Maybe not a surprise to you, but to me and to other folks I've talked to in the hockey community, his playmaking ability, he's turned into quite a playmaker yeah. at this tourney.
2: No, he's got a great eye for the game. And I just think it's because he's such a student of the game. But he's also, like, he's found different ways to kind of upgrade his or sharpen his toolbox. And what I mean by that is if you look at the overtime winner that he scored the other net against Slovakia, he faked a shot, which is why he was able to drag his way around three defenders. And put the puck in the back of the net. If you notice on that goal, when he does that little toe drag, he's often going to shoot the puck. That's what he does time and time again. And I'm sure that's something that was talked about with the coaching staff in their video sessions before the game. So the defenseman's thinking, okay, he's going to shoot, which is why he went down on one knee, which allowed him to then drag his way around the defender and then go to the back end. When you think he's a shoot-first guy, all of a sudden he's going to drive to the net. Just when you think he's a shoot-first guy, he's able to dish the puck no luck behind his back, whatever you want to call it, to somebody on the open slot, and then he puts the puck in the back of the net. I think what makes him so special is that teams will key on on him, on his shot, and then he's able to do something else. And I think that's why his playmaking ability has shown so much with his 13 assists this tournament, which is the most by a Canadian at the World Juniors as well. He shattered all the records. And I think a lot of that has to do with just... He focuses in on what teams are looking at him and what they're going what he's going to do and then finding a way to kind of get around that. So like he knows that teams are always on his shot and so if if he feels that they're keen in on his shot and they have two guys in front of him blocking the shot, he's just gonna pass the puck to the guy that's open. It's the same thing that Michael Jordan used to do when he played basketball or Kobe Bryant. You wanna double team me? Okay, I'm just gonna dish it off, right? So it's kinda of that kind of that that same mentality, I guess.
1: Uh, And you've seen him enough to probably snicker when you hear the commentators say, and not snicker disrespectfully, but when you hear people say, okay, yeah, you've scored against Germany and Austria. Let's see what you do Uh, against the big boys.
2: uh, It drives me up the wall because what about Peter Forsberg when he scored 10 points against Japan? That record still stands. Like, what about that? Right? Like, (laughs) everyone has to play these teams. But I also brought up on the broadcast the other night with Nathan, I asked, okay, take Germany and put them in the WHL. How good are they? Are they, you know, a top 10 team in the league? Are they a top five team? Are they one of the best teams? I would say if you take all the best players, junior players from Germany, the Western Hockey League, they would probably fare pretty well. Maybe they wouldn't be as good as Winnipeg per se, but they would probably be a pretty good team, right? So you should ask yourself this. Why isn't he doing this in the WHL? Right. Yeah. Like why hasn't he never scored seven points in the game in this league? Why has he never scored at the pace that he's scoring at in this league? He's averaging two points per game here in Regina. He's averaging four and a half with Canada at the World Juniors. Ask yourself that.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. And lastly, you raised a good point, Dante. How do you think through your eyes from the broadcast booth covering this league for the last couple of years, but in particular this year, how do you think the Winnipeg ice would fare at a tournament like this? Just the way they're playing this year.
2: I've actually thought about it quite a bit, and I don't know if I know the key answer, because it's really tough to say, but they would probably be better than, say, Latvia, say, maybe in Austria. I mean, Austria had one major junior player, and he plays for the Ottawa 67s. He's a point-of-game player. Aurora is a fantastic hockey player, but that's just one guy. You know, Germany had some other key players as well. I'm not really entirely sure how they... Yeah, I would say Winnipeg would be one of the top teams, maybe better than those bottom-seat teams. They wouldn't be better than Slovakia. I don't think they'd be better than Czech. I don't think they'd be better than Sweden, but they would probably be as good as, say, Austria, Germany, like better than those teams, but I just wouldn't put them up against like the top five.
1: Have a good call, my friend. I appreciate your time.
2: Thank you so much, Michael.
1: We'll have the pregame show at six thirty-five with that guy Dante DiCaria from Brandon. Pat's back your Friday against Seattle World Juniors. Fifty-three seconds to go. Face-off to the blocker side of the Swedish goalie. Sweden leading one nothing over Czechia, looking to uh, go to the final against either Canada or the U.S. That game faces off at five thirty our time. Connor Bedard all the rage. Check this out, Zinger. This is interesting as we talk about. Oh, they scored you just scored. <laughs> Checkia just you ties the game. Oh, oh, let's go. So Stanislav Sposal on the Pats is still alive. Check this out, uh, Zinger. This is uh, real interesting. Now, we know that John Paddock has answered it many times, and he blew a gasket in Kamloops when he has asked about it. But the Windsor Spitfires are making another run. The Western... Conference champions in the OHL Made two trades One trade their general manager Bill uh, Bowler Acquired defenseman and Sudbury Wolves Captain Jacob Holmes for five Draft picks Then the team acquired forward Brad Harrison Who was leading the Oshawa Generals in scoring for another six Draft picks so they gave up Eleven draft picks for two Players now you and I I'm more of a hockey Fan than you we're both casual have you ever heard of any of those guys? No. So just I'm sure they're great gentlemen, but I've never heard of them. So just based <laughs> on that alone, everybody knows who Connor Bedard is at this tournament. A phenom, first overall pick. How many draft picks and capital could John Paddock get by dealing away Connor Bedard? Probably a new arena.
4: And uh, I don't know, man.
1: I I know he has said the kid doesn't want to be traded. And I'll take John at face value. I think he's a decent and honest guy. But if the Pats went to Bedard and said, listen, we need to replenish the shelves, I'm sure Bedard would do him a solid and waive his quote-unquote no-trade clause. The Pats don't want to trade him because it's important to have it announced at the draft that he's from the Regina Pats. That, and I'm still wondering, is Sean Semple in it for the long haul with the Pats? Because if he's not, who cares? I'm just going to keep Bedard and see where the chips fall after this season. But 11 draft picks for two players. Bedard could get you a whole league and a rink and probably a free booster juice for life. Hot dogs for life at the Brandt Center. This is the Sports Cage on 620. See-
0: 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And you're home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is The Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Oh, buckle
1: up. Hour two of the show underway. New and improved Sports Cage 3 to 6 Monday to Friday. Michael Ball here. Sean Kleisinger, my outstanding producer and sidekick, on the other side. Sweden and Czechia in overtime after Czechia scored late on a goal by Jurecek. Checking a point blast from the left point from the right shot defenseman. We're playing three-on-three hockey. Zinger, I like this. To the, I like three-on-three for overtime, even in the playoffs, but this might be the worst three-on-three I've ever They're seen. They're gassed. It's like they
4: ate a bunch of cheeseburgers in commercial break. It's they like five
1: minutes in here and they can't do anything. Sweden's oh, had the best chances. I don't outside. even think Czechia's had uh, any great chances. The one thing I would like to see changed on three-on-three though, is when you bring the puck in, you have to keep it and You can't you can't willingly take it out of the zone mm. or the other team gets it. I don't I, know how police I, that, I,
4: I love five-on-five five over time. And like yeah, the but Stanley you're Cup like, playoffs. you know
1: what? You should be the 50-year-old guy and I should be the 30-year-old because you like all the old stuff. You don't like anything new. Yeah, it's true. You're a traditionalist. Yeah. I, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. All right, so... We got uh, Bill Wilms, the veteran junior hockey broadcaster. Over 2,000 games called out west predominantly with the Vancouver Giants. And on shy, he will join us here before the bottom of the hour. But uh, yeah, we're watching this one. Four and a half to go in overtime in Halifax. Czechia and Sweden still to come tonight. It's Canada versus the United States. I have a bad feeling about that Canadian
3: game.
4: Mm. You've got a bad feeling, feeling in your belly like I yeah, do that some, we're going to end up losing this
1: hockey game tonight. Some, somebody else or a couple of other People besides a guy named Connor Bedard have to show up. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza hotline, dine in, take out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. Near scoring chance there for Sweden. They've carried the play in terms of scoring chances here in this overtime. Period. Okay, singer, I've got something here. This is purely hypothetical. And you can weigh in too, on any of the topics 93662 it's uh, 62 it's our text line looking at the riders schedule uh, let's let's uh before free agency before we even have a definite quarterback let's uh pull out our sports cage CFL crystal ball and let's predict let's predict the riders regular season record with Bo Levi Mitchell as the quarterback or other okay okay because we don't have a starting quarterback, per se, right now. But we do have a schedule. Ryan, we do have a schedule, and I've got it right in front of us. So here we go. Bo Levi Mitchell is our... Now, we'll save Bo to the end. Okay. Let's go other. Okay. So that could be Trevor Harris... McLeod Bethel Thompson, maybe Cody Fajardo back, Dane Evans. If Bo stays in Hamilton, they probably have to get rid of Dane. I'm sure the Riders would be in on that. So here we go. Riders open up. It's guaranteed win night, according to Victor Cui in Edmonton. Um In Edmonton, they haven't won in almost, well, it's two full seasons there, home games. Riders at the Elks with Somebody other than Bo Levi-Mitchell. So our other quarterback, I have the Riders losing their 0-1. Really? Yeah, I have the Riders oh. losing their 0-1. No, I think regardless, the
4: Riders are going to win that game. Okay, so, so so
1: without Bo, you have a 1-1. One one. You okay. mark down yours, okay? Yep. Yep. I've got week number two, the Blue Bombers are here against the Rough Riders. I have the Rough Riders dropping to 0-2 with other quarterback. I got the Riders at one and one. Okay, they're, they're lose, lose. losing to Winnipeg. Okay, then they go to Calgary. I have the Riders at zero and three to start the season oh, with other quarterbacks. Jeez, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one and two, so I'm not too far behind. I don't think they're. By the way, the Czechia goalie just reaches behind his body and keeps the puck oh. along the end line out. So with two fifty to go in overtime, Hashik? No, it's not Hashik. <laughs> Who uh, did
4: that in yet, It was it Patrick no a Patrick Wabin. Patrick
1: And Look at that save. Look at that. Whoever this Czechia goalie is. I've been watching oh. too closely. He's got his pads squeezed together and reaches back to nestle the puck with his glove against his game blade. Of inches. Anyway, so yeah, game of inches. So El let's Pacino. keep track. Keep track. Keep kay. track. I got the riders starting 0-3 with other quarterback. Who do you what do you got? One and three? No, uh we we one been and through, two. One and two. I'm one and two right one now. One and two, yeah. okay. Fourth game of the week. Elks at the Rough Riders. I got the Riders winning their first game. They're one and three. Riders are going to win it and they're going to be a two and two football team. Okay. Then the Calgary Stampeders come to town. I have the Riders with their other quarterback, whoever that is, beating Calgary. They're two and three. I'm going to have the Riders, uh, winning that three and two. Okay. That's a nice start for Dickinson and the boys. Yep. Jobs on the line. Then I have the Riders at Vernon Adams and the BC Lions Because Nathan Rourke will not be there It'll be Vernon Adams and Cody Fajardo As the tandem at quarterback Who knows, Cody could be the guy starting against his old team I picked the BC Lions To knock off your Saskatchewan Rough Riders And the Riders will be 2-4 and four through
4: 6 weeks I'm going to go Riders are going to win that one Oh, yeah, they're going to go to BC and, uh, they're going to make Cody Fajardo cry even more.
1: So you got the riders at three and three or four and two there. Four and two. No? Four and two. That's right. Wow. With other quarterbacks. Yes. Okay, man, you're, you're talking big, big time rebound on the season. Then I've got the right. So check this out. The rough riders are at the BC Lions, and then they got to fly cross country even further than normal. They don't go to Toronto. They go uh, to, is it Moncton this year? Anyways, it's Halifax. It's out there for the Atlantic bowl. and. Uh, Right where the World Juniors are, yeah, Halifax. Yeah. I got the Riders somehow pulling that one off against the defending champion Argos in that long back-to-back trip. They're three and four through seven games. No,
4: I think if the Riders are going to lose one of those two games, it's going to be uh, the latter against Toronto. So, so. you got
1: it four and three. Yep. Okay. Then I've got the Saskatchewan Rough Riders taking on the Ottawa Redblacks. They improve to four and four at Mosaic Stadium. Uh, Riders win five and three record. Okay. Cool. Then I've got the uh, Rough Riders against the Alouettes in Montreal. It's always a tough trip. Never play well. they would be uh, road tested here. Three of the last four games on the road. I'm going Riders. Uh, four and five, they lose to Montreal. Riders lose. Molson Stadium's cursed. Mm-hmm. Five and four. Wow, so you're one game up on me still. Then I've got the Rough Riders against the BC Lions here at Mosaic Stadium. That would be an August 20th game. And the BC Lions and Rick Campbell come in and beat Craig Dickinson and the Riders. After 10 games, the Riders are four and six. Riders lose, lions get some sweet revenge. Five and five. Okay. Then the Rough Riders bring in uh, the vaunted Blue Bombers for that Labor Day Classic. The Riders muster up a victory and finally win after dropping the last couple to the Bombers there in the Labor Day Classic. Riders are five and six. Yeah.
4: Labor Day Classic,
1: ours this year. Okay. Six and five. Okay. Then the Rough Riders go to the bench. Uh, sorry, the Labor Day rematch. <laughs> yeah. That's a loss. Five and seven. Czechia has just scored. Oh. Checkia in overtime. 49.6. seconds to go in the extra frame and Cechi is off to the World Junior Hockey Championship with a come from behind victory. Only fitting though, Zinger, because because... uh, The big save. Well, no, not only that, but Sweden scored... uh, with three minutes to go to beat Finland, and then in that playoff game, the quarterfinals, scored shorthanded with a minute to go, so they get burned oh, in the same type of fashion they burn Finland. So yeah, Czechia wins. They'll face either Canada or the U.S. Okay, so Riders lose their five and seven. What do you got them after you six go? and six, six and six ball club? Then the Rough Riders will uh, come home to face the Elks again. I have them beating the Elks. they six and seven. I sense a bit of a slump coming for our Roughies oh, okay.
4: at some point this year, and I think it's going to be around Labor Day. Okay. So six and seven. Six
1: and seven. Then we've got the Rough Riders at the Red Blacks. I've got the Rough Riders losing in Ottawa, six and eight on the season. Yeah, I've tied you now. They're gonna lose six and eight. Okay, then I've got the Rough Riders NBC to take on the Lions. Big upset win for the Rough Riders on the left coast, seven and eight. Loss six and nine. Okay, okay. Okay, six and nine. Then I've got the Rough Riders home to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And I've got the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats beating the Rough Riders. Rough Riders drop to seven and nine. Riders get one. They're gonna. They're gonna win seven and nine. Okay, seven and nine. Then the Rough Riders go to Calgary and lose. their seven and ten.
4: Yes. Same.
1: And then they wrap up their season October twenty first, twenty twenty three 10. against they're the Ark. They're gonna win. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna win. They're gonna be eight and ten. So we come to the same conclusion. Yeah. Didn't just even in a planet. Just in a different path, but that's with out Bo Levi Mitchell as our quarterback. Later on the show, we will predict the Riders record when Bo Levi Mitchell signs with the Rough Riders, and he's the quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders coming up. You can weigh in what you think, too. With With other quarterback, with Bo Levi Mitchell as our quarterback. When we come back, we'll talk to Bill Wilms, veteran, junior hockey broadcaster, and golfer, too. Here on the Sports Cage on 620 Scrooge.
0: It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Well, we know
1: who's playing for goal between Czechia and Sweden at the World Junior Hockey Championship in Halifax. The Czech score late in the game to tie it on a point blast by Juracek. And then they win it in overtime, three on three overtime. As, uh, I'm just trying to pick up who got the goal. Just give me a second here. I believe uh, the goal scorer was number 25, but I don't have their roster in front of me. But anyway, Czechia scores with 40.9 seconds left, and they're off to face either Canada... Or the United States, big North American matchup in Halifax tonight. Let's get right to the Western Pizza Hotline. One of our favorite guests, that would be Bill Wilms, veteran uh, broadcaster, also an acclaimed golfer, too, out in BC. How
7: are you, Bill? I'm good, thanks. Uh, Yeah, played a little golf a couple days ago and uh, off to the U.S. tomorrow for games in Tri-City. on Friday night and Spokane on Saturday. And it's uh, unfortunate or fortunate that uh, we will not see... Uh, Tom Sakanik, the guy that just did such a great job for Czechia and goal for the Tri City Americans Friday night. But wow. maybe it's good for us.
1: What a save he made, squeezing the pads and uh, reaching behind like a Patrick Wad type to keep that puck out with a glove behind him. What a, yeah, I mean, Czechia. I, I mean, I'm not definitely into hockey like you. I'm probably into football like you're into hockey and vice versa. But I will tell you what, man, this Czechia team is for real. I thought that first game Canada was hot dogging, and I, I, that's, I, that's why I kind of thought. Canada lost, but no, 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 I was wrong. Czechy's got a good team.
7: Oh, yeah, yeah. I uh, I thought they were terrific against Canada. Now, having said that, Um, You know, I haven't watched it that closely. As a matter of fact, I just stopped in for lunch at a restaurant here in in Delta, and the game was on, and I caught the third period, and uh, you got the most important or most exciting part. But you're right. Check me I mean, you got Sposo playing for them from Regina. You got Sturge playing for them from Kelowna. You got Sekanic playing uh, for them from Tri-City. So you got a pretty good Western flavor there. Hey, I asked Dante
1: to carry a voice of the Regina Pats this. How do you think the powerhouse Winnipeg ice team would do in a tournament like this? How, how, how Do you think they'd be better than a Germany, a Latvia, an Austria, just the Winnipeg ice team itself?
7: Well, the Winnipeg ice team this year, I would say, would be pretty equal, probably even better uh, than the teams you mentioned. Uh I'll be honest with you, too. You know, I have zero interest in watching uh, 10-1 games and 11-2 oh. games. Uh, you know, in the World Junior Tournament, it, it's actually turned me off to be Bill. You know, Bill, honest Bill, with you,
1: thank God for saying that, yeah, because you're because you are you are more wise to this game than me. But that's what I said. Don't call this a World Championship when you're letting teams like Austria and Germany, like, sorry, just give me the six best teams, and those other guys can play in a
7: tournament before. I agree with you. Uh, I, it's a, like seriously. I won't, I won't dignify those games with, with two minutes of watching. Uh, finally, finally this year, there's been some uncertainty. There's been some unpredictability. There's been some upsets, and it's made it a lot more fun watching. But, uh, yeah, the Winnipeg guys, there's probably one or two other. That Seattle team, you know, would be, would be pretty good in this too. But, you know, when you get to the elite teams, they just have so many outstanding, strong players. But the, the Austrias, the Germanys, the Latvians, no, um, I would rather see. To your point, you nailed it. Make the teams, make the teams less, uh, you know, less numbers, and go for it. So, uh, Bill
1: Wilms, uh, when I when I look at this tournament now, I know why Russia's not in it. I get it. It's Putin. It's all that crap. Okay, I don't want to bring politics into this, but I, that's another reason why I'm not really into this because Russia's not there. Canada, Russia, Canada, and the States. To me, it's not true hockey gold.
7: No, it isn't. Uh, there's, there's no question about it. Uh, you, you can't camouflage that in any way. Uh, the best in the world are, are not here. Uh, when you just take the Russian team out of that, I don't know about you, but for me, there was so much intrigue every time they played. Didn't you know? Certainly, that Russia against the U.S. or Russia and Canada was, was almost must watching for me. But. Um, and I get it too. The politics behind it, I understand all that. And you know what? I still don't know how the draft works uh, coming up. The NHL draft uh, vis-a-vis um, mm-hmm. you know Russian players. So I, I'm not even completely familiar with that. But to, it, it feels that part is missing. But you know, with a Canada-U.S. game coming up, finally, I think uh, I think there's some. Some intrigue there. It's, I, I think that rivalry is is back. As a non, and, and the other thing too, the two World Junior Championships that close together, you know, uh, less than a year apart, I think took away from it a little bit, but. You know, I, I am interested in Canada, the U.S. These guys could play ball hockey at 4 o'clock in the morning in a parking lot, and the intensity would be great. We know that. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. And
1: Bedard always rises to the occasion in the big games. He doesn't shrink. He rises. I'm interested to see what he does tonight.
7: Yeah, I mean, really, you watching this guy play? We, I watched the one period in Vancouver, when I was calling the game, and I, and you know, I'd seen enough. If I was a scout, I'd say I've seen everything I need to see. Um, you know, his play—he plays like his stuff. His his moves are computer generated. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like he sees a game from fifty rows up. I I don't I don't quite understand how he can honestly be that good when he's got the puck. And there's what anytime you've got the puck in all honesty, there's probably ten different places you can put it in the offensive zone, and uh he finds the one the right one most of the time yeah uh, it's it's bizarre he's always poised to shoot, you know that now uh the three on three goal the other night, I think you know like I guess like an onion, you know there you see another layer mm-hmm. of of his ability to beat guys one on one, and I often wonder uh, honestly. <laughs> You know, are the guys on the other teams wanting to check them or are they kind of tempted to ask him for an autograph? I, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, Bill, um, when you're looking at this, uh, when you're looking at this season coming into the second half, what are you looking for in terms of teams or performances in the Western Hockey League?
7: Well, obviously, the most intriguing part is the January 10th trade deadline. Uh, you know, who are going to be buyers? Who are going to be sellers? Uh, obviously, I'm. You know, uh, I've said three things you have to do to be successful at any serious level of hockey. And you've got to draft well, you've got to develop well, and you've got to trade well. Well, now the GMs are on the spot. Who's going to make the kind of moves that are necessary to make, you know, make any kind of a run for it? Uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, Camloops just picked up your Regina Pat. I guess, backup goaltender, the, the yeah. keeper kid, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, they did. Well, hey, that, hey see,
1: I got you for a minute here, Bill. So I'm going to ask you this because you talk trades and it's perfect. It ties in perfectly. Windsor just traded 11 draft picks, five for one guy, six for another guy, and they aren't named Connor Bedard. The Pats have said Bedard's not going anywhere. But I, oh, how do you miss out on this asset?
7: Well, first of all, he's got to want to be traded. He's got to ask to be traded. Um, And I'm not so sure, to be honest with you, uh, you know, the climb up the mountain. I'm not sure what the Memorial Cup would mean to him, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, with likely two world junior championships. But if he doesn't want to be moved, uh, John can't move him.
1: Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see because eleven. you could set your team up for a long time. Uh, John obviously snapped and Kamloops when ask. He said, listen, we're not trading him. And hey, Pat fans should get out and watch him and Stanislav's disposal because he's now in the World Juniors, and so he, they're representing the Pats well. Bill, we'll have you on again. Safe travels. I always love talking to you, my friend. Anytime, buddy. Thanks for calling me. That's Bill Wilms. And actually, it's my fault. I caught him out of order here. I'm so frazzled by this show. I'm I'm ahead of the game. I was supposed to have Mike Thomas on here, but he'll be coming up after 4.30 in the 4.30 news. This is the Sports Cage on 620. Wayburn.
4: And your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781 Twenty ninety. Well, the first semifinal is in the books. Czechia beat Sweden two to one. The final, it was a Yuri Kulich with the game winner in overtime for Czechia. So uh, they will play the winner of the United States and Canada puck drop for that one. About uh, just under an hour away. We'll keep you updated for as long as we can here. On anybody else.
1: Nick Lewis, back where it all began in the CFL. Nick, how does that feel?
6: Feels good. Um, Feels good. Definitely didn't know I was going to be uh, back in the coaching world, Um, you know, so it it feels good to to be back and, you know, just to be able to influence the the next generation. So how did this come to be? Did you uh, kind of look into it? Did
1: they approach you? How did it work, if you don't mind telling me?
6: Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I talked to a couple teams, um, prior to Great Cup and then, um, then I talked to Dave at Great Cup, talked to Huff at Great Cup, and that's how it really started. Uh, I wasn't actively seeking to get back into the CFL or into the coaching world in, th- in this capacity. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been enjoying my time training kids here in SAS. I've been enjoying my time, uh, training or uh, coaching with the SAS selects. So, it wasn't something that was on my radar, but I just felt like the opportunity was too great to pass up. And I mean, the stability of the coaching staff there in Calgary and the ownership group and uh, everything else that they have there is is a very attractive situation and, and understanding that. You know, it's not just a one-year deal. So what are you looking
1: uh, at in terms of what your responsibilities will be? I was talking to Naaman Roosevelt here. I assumed he'd be the receiver's coach. He said it's going to be a little bit of everything with the Riders. Is that what it's going to be like for you, too? Are you going to be a Swiss Army knife on offense, or what are you doing?
6: I'll I'll be the receiver coach um, for the stance. But, you know, uh, I think with the the coaching staff that they have assembled, with with, uh, Pat DeMonaco and Mark Mueller, uh, dave dickinson and, and jr who I, I haven't met jr yet but just understanding them and um how they've been in calgary for the longest time together and really just trying to fit in and and do my part um share my knowledge on on certain things and and do that but um uh, you know i feel pretty comfortable with talking to to any player um as far as you know, knowledge goes whether it's in football, around football, outside of the game. But yeah, my main focus is going to be the receivers on the team and, and making sure that they're consistent.
1: Now, my son is a defensive back, but uh, when you were coaching him in the park in Lake Ridge, you were coaching him uh, receiver drills, which translate to defensive back as well. But you, uh, you never used a football. It was all technique. It was all separation. It was all body control. What is your best aspect as a coach? Do you think?
6: You know, I think it's just mindset mentality, but also I've I've gotten so used to uh with the training. Uh I've trained I've trained a D one college quarterback, I've trained, you know, D one receivers. Uh, I got a running back at Alabama, I got a receiver at um at Utah and I just had a defensive end linebacker at Northwest, at a D D at Purdue, and you know, you talk about Ethan, but I I'm so used to now being able to work with guys on the fundamentals. I've been in position to make plays and, and really help to develop their school or their their skill set. Um, that's one of my, my one of my strengths. But you know, really, the way I played the game was a mental, with really cerebrally that allowed me to go out and play at a high level consistently. You know, everybody's got talent in pro football, and and if you're just looking for your talent to separate you, it only separates you for so long. If you want to have a long career, uh, if you want to build on something. Then you have to start seeing the field differently and better.
1: That's Nick Lewis, now receivers coach for the Calgary Stampeders. Our focus here on the CFL report heard each day here on the Sports Cage, Monday to Friday, at four thirty-two ish.
0: Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio six twenty CKRM. From one receiver to another, let's head out
1: in the Western Pizza Hotline. Dine-in, take-out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. This guy played receiver for the U of Rams. He is now with Football Saskatchewan and in that role or besides that role, or I don't know how many football hats he wears. I know he coaches flag football, but he also runs the league, the Regina NFL Flag Football League. How are you, bud?
5: not too bad baldy how are you doing today yeah,
1: mike thomas joining us i'm doing good happy new year so here's a question for you when is it too late to say happy new year to somebody like you know what i mean you and i haven't seen each other since last calendar year but i don't think if i wished you in, in march that's too far past so it was like a week you think or what
8: Yeah, I give it a 7- to 10-day grace, really, mostly, you know, first time you greet somebody in the New Year, whether it be after the first, up until, you know, a week after. So that's, what I think, an appropriate time frame to be able to say Happy New Year to someone.
1: But always look somebody in the eye, say hi to them, uh, make sure you uh, acknowledge their presence. So, Mike, uh, you're getting ready for registration once again for the uh, flag football uh, year in the spring.
8: Yeah, absolutely. Going to be a, another spectacular year, you know, as we get ready to start registration on the 9th. Uh, we've gotten quite a few inquiries from parents just kind of wondering about things that are new to the program. Uh, you know, we've sent out information to those that have previously played just to kind of give them a little bit of a nudge and heads up uh, about registration. And we'll do so again just to let everyone know that the time frame is coming once again as uh you know it's quite an exciting time as we do have a lot of eyes on the league not just here locally but actually around canada and internationally as they see the excitement that grows in such a small market like we have to know the numbers that we get is uh, is quite outstanding so how many years now 18 what is it for this league yeah this this is actually year uh, 16 for okay. the program and uh, we're, we're super excited you know we've been fortunate to have the people of Regina and surrounding areas uh, continue to support the program and have been in it for many years and we're just happy and blessed to be able to know that we have such a, a wide range of individuals that are excited to be a part of things and we're looking to deliver even a more exciting brand of football here in 2023. So
1: it went from 75 I think or something low like out when you first started. And what's that, like 2,800 now or something crazy?
8: Yeah, 2834 was the number last year, and uh, and we still had people on a wait list. So, you know, it is crazy, like you mentioned, when we did start out with 75 people uh, in our first year, and, uh, you know, really got to give a shout out to some some really um, well-driven individuals that really saw some stuff that we were doing and wanted to help. Uh, Lisa Horning, I want to shout her, I don't know if she's listening, but want to make sure that that's known as well, uh, as well as Jody Custer, another person, two moms, two ladies who really saw the vision of what we wanted to do and helped us get to to where we are as well as the the thousands of coaches who have dedicated times over the years to uh, give back to the sport here in the city.
1: Of course she's listening. Everybody listens, Mike. Get with it. Come on, man. Come on, man. because they have great guests like Mike Thomas on. Here, here's something. We saw that. And, and let's be honest here. You played tackle football. You've coached tackle football. So you are not against tackle football. I want to make that clear. Obviously, football Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Um, we saw that freak accident that happened to Damar Hamlin looks like maybe he's coming back in a positive way according to his uncle and we all pray for him or have good thoughts if you don't believe in prayer I know well wishes is the way to go so as not to offend anybody but um, you look at Damar Hamlin in that situation and I put my son in football at 9 years old and uh, I, I think they do a great job over at Regina Minor Football but flag football is a great avenue if you're not ready for your kids to have contact to get them used to the game of football.
8: Absolutely. You know, uh, just to lead things off once again, to echo some of your sentiments there, um, you know, prayers for for DeMar or thoughts for anyone that doesn't believe in in, uh, in the prayer route. Um, and that is a, a very, very extremely rare occasion, one in, you know, five million type of situation. Um, you know, but on the flip side, as you just said, and not to take away anything from that incident, is that there are individuals that may not be ready for their child to play tackle football. At this moment, um, you know, I do have my son in it, and it is a, you know, is a a thing in the house in regards to myself and my wife, but she uh, agreed to allow him to play, and and he's been able to play and have a lot of fun, and, and like you said, Regina Minor Football does a great job with the program. With that being said, flag football is a great avenue for a lot of kids who we've seen over the years play the game, learn the skill sets that's available through it, and passing, catching, running with the football, defending, flag pulling, which is similar to tackling, but then use those transferable skills to then go and play tackle football later on. And some do it in both ends. Uh, you know, a lot of kids that I've coached on my flag team coach I coach on my tackle team in the fall. So they play flag in the spring, tackle in the fall. But then there's others that play it, you know, flag in the spring and the fall as well. So the great thing about the sport is that they're learning the skill set so that if they do decide to go to play tackle later on that they have learned some technical aspects of the game that allows them to come in with maybe a step or two up with someone than someone who may not have learned any of the skills throughout the years.
1: It's Mike Thomas from football, Saskatchewan also the flag football league here taking registrations. We'll get some more of that information in a second. Um, you know that I've always said this, the two areas where we can grow the game of football um, is new Canadians Females, are we seeing more of those in the flag football ranks?
8: Man, oh man, you done hit the nail on the head, Ballsy, because I'll tell you why. Our numbers of females are outstanding. We have a lot of female flag football players that are playing through the years. We've actually developed a program where there is all-girl teams and all-girl divisions with a partnership with Girls in the Game, and that has allowed female players to play with their female peers. And from our side, we really worked hard with not only the Regina Riot, but also with the U of R flag football team that is a female flag football mm-hmm. team, uh, to have female coaches out there teaching these females the game as well as previous players coming back and being officials. So, you know, we're really, really turning towards that realm of trying to embrace that underdeveloped population in terms of females playing the sport. And it's been great because this translated into our adult program, which is absolutely awesome with the John AFFL, where they've got, you know, 24 female teams playing on Mondays and Tuesdays. And then we've got our youth program where we had 40 all-girl teams this past year. And to lead into the next segment, which is our new Canadians, that's been a, a really big goal of ours to help those new Canadians that have come to Saskatchewan some, obviously, as you know, that would have came over from Ukraine. Um, ones that are from within the Regina Open Door Society. But then also just people within a neighborhood. Um, I'm up in Lake Ridge, not too far from yourself. And, you know, we are practicing in the park and we see some new Canadians walk around. We invite them, you know, some of the children out to come and play. Let them be a part of the drills. Let them be a part of things and give the parents information if they want to have their kid play that they can. And, and you know, it's just something that allows those individuals that are new to the country new to our province to be able to understand what it is that people are so excited about with that green and white team with the riders and and what it is that you know is a part of the canadiana i guess if you could say within our own province so for us super excited we've been super um you know uh we we worked really hard in regards to trying to ensure that we can be inclusive for not only our new canadians that are here in our province but then also the female players that are looking to play the game potentially maybe not with some of the classmates or with boys but with some of their peers and other females uh and you know it's been super exciting for sure so
1: uh what is new in flag football this year you talked to you use the word new is there any changes or anything big coming
8: um, well, you know what? I can't let the cat out the uh. bag, but you know we've got <laughs> we, we've been working quite extensively with the NFL Canada group and also with the NFL Flag US group in regards to some uh, new programs and some new um, initiatives, I guess we could say that we're going to be looking to bring down to our province here, but then specifically here in Regina, uh, potentially some key appearances. Uh, so it's uh, looking to have an exciting spring for sure uh, and would be uh, super happy to be able to share it with all of those that are part of our league, but then also anyone that is a uh, just an onlooker, spectator or supporter of our program.
1: And uh, so uh, in terms of our league, where does it rank North American-wide in terms of popularity?
8: Well now we've've we've now taken another leap uh, with the jump this past year combining our spring and fall programs um, we have now vaulted to the number two program uh, in North America wow. so um, you know it is unbelievable what that we're competing with some of the states like the California's the Arizona's the Florida's those warmer states that are able to play a lot longer uh, and it's been amazing uh, the group at NFL flag US has been super impressed with what we do. If you look on their socials, you'll see a lot of our content that's on there just due to the work that our team does, and as well as with NFL Canada, we've worked in partnership with them and have helped blossom a lot of new programs, whether it's been in Edmonton or just outside of Calgary in Airdrie, or whether it's been in some new programs in BC. Uh, we've had folks reach out to us from California, and so it's been really, really neat to see that you know a city like ours is a, such a big player on stage, and that there are others that are reaching out to us to know how do we do things with such a small population how do you reach groups how do you engage so you know it's more than a one man team or one person team or one woman team we work collaboratively with a whole group of people to make sure that the brand that we have works well and we can't do that without the support of SGI Canada who's our presenting sponsor and all of our other sponsorship groups that are all local that all give back to help us, be able to provide this great sport to the kids in the city of Regina and surrounding areas.
1: So, registration uh, January 9th. Mike, working to get more information quickly.
8: If people are interested to be a part of the program, they can head to our website at wwwreginayouthlightfootballcom Backslash spring. That'll take them right to our website. Take a look at anything they want. There's a ton of information there to help with anything they may be looking about. And registration starts at 7 a.m. sharp don't be late, folks, because it'll fill up really, really quick.
1: Mike, thanks for your time.
8: Hey, appreciate your ballsy. Happy New Year to you, and uh, hey, let's have a great football season here, boys.
1: Absolutely. That's Mike Thomas. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment on dot Com.
0: We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Under six left now in the third, and Sanford took that pass. He'll come to the line, Dylan Samford, with all the flames getting back. Finding Gagne, leaving it for Dubois, for Not about the shot. There's a drive-by, and they score! Gagne! And another tip-ball for the Jets, and they're up again. 3-2.
4: And 3-2 went on to be the final score. The Winnipeg Jets defeat the Calgary Flames last night. Sam Gagné with the game winner, his seventh goal of the season. So Winnipeg with the big win in the all-Canadian matchup. Gagné, today's sports cage clutch performer for Nick service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. You can give them a call at 781-1077.
1: And you can text us 936 that's our uh, text line, and uh, you can weigh in on the topics of the day, like Czechia beating Sweden in overtime, scored late, and then won it late in the 3-on-3 overtime to uh, go to the uh, World Junior Hockey Championship final against either Canada or the U.S., they take to the ice in about... Uh, 40 minutes time in Halifax. Uh, Some other uh, news and notes. We will tell you that... um, What else did I want to... Oh, Troy Vincent head of the NFL Players Association hasn't ruled out a delay in the Buffalo-New England game either because of the Bills, right? Obviously, there's still a lot of thoughts and prayers and their mind on their fallen teammate, Demar Hamlin, who according to accounts from his uncle, is improving still on a ventilator, but uh, using it less, apparently. Mm-hmm. BC Lions have released all-star defensive back Luchez Pirafoy. They've parted ways with him, so that's interesting. I thought he had a great year last year for the BC that's Lions. So it is kind of weird, but we Got rid of them, too, after um, having a great year. I wonder if sometimes the juice isn't worth the squeeze, as I like to say. Um, Let us get to this. New Year's resolutions. Three New Year's resolutions for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I got mine. Okay, I've got mine. Uh, You go with yours first. All
4: right. Resolutions. Number three. For me, no more off-the-field problems. That's number three for me. no drama no more drama please okay no more drama class. Uh, number two get a quarterback mm-hmm. and number one is be Canada's team again. We were taken away. We don't even play on Canada Day this year. Mm. Man, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers play on Canada Day. We're it's time to beat the Bombers and beat Canada's team. But again.
1: whenever they need us for Canada's team, because they need us at the uh, at the Atlantic Canada game yeah, again. So yeah, we're going yeah, back to Halifax. Yeah, whenever they
4: need us, they give us a call, huh? I see you. Yeah, I see, see you. League office. You
1: see me. You know, we're you that's know, mine. Winnipeg's the team, but actually, it's Saskatchewan that's the team. Okay, here's mine. Number three. We started the season, you know, we're looking pretty good. We beat Hamilton, okay? Not bad, not bad. Then we win our second game of the year, and we're 2-0 at home. Then we beat Ottawa. We're three and zero at home. But uh, uh, what's his name? Marino pulls that thing on Masoli, the whole flexing thing. And then our team went down the tubes. We didn't win another home game, Zinger. We were three and six at Mosaic Stadium. Three and six. We lost six games in a row on home turf in every way imaginable. We're going to win against Winnipeg. But then Duke Williams shoots his mouth off. Um, Coach Moss calls a, a pass play instead of a couple of running plays. We lose. Uh, Nathan Rourke plays otherworldly, beats us. I mean, we found ways. We, we had the COVID game lost to the Argos. So defend. If we're Canada's team, we got to defend Canada's turf, Mosaic Stadium. So uh, create some home field advantage, yeah, d- huh? Defend home turf that's right. Let's let's get loud in there. Let's get de- dead in there a lot. Yeah, of it the is. Times. It's like I've said it many times. The old stadium was like getting drunk in a home in Glen Cairn where I grew up. You didn't care if you put your cigarette out in the rug or punch the wall through the wall. You're coming back next Saturday to party, peeing in the sink, yeah. doing whatever. Here you gotta wear slippers and you gotta leave by eleven. Like let's party. Let's get get them going in there. Now, come on. That's Let's go. So uh, that's number 3. Right. Number 2. I don't know if it's the chicken first or the egg. Mm. The quarterback is your most important position. So you got to find out who your quarterback's going to be. If they don't get bowled by Mitchell, I'm not sure where they go. But that's number 2. Your quarterback is number 2. Because you can have a Ferrari sitting on the driveway zinger. It can be a Maserati, a Lambo, whatever, you, whatever your favorite sports car is. Okay. But if you don't have the keys, well, never mind that. If you don't know how to drive a standard, <laughs> uh, if you can't drive That's a better. standard, then that car's just a nice car on the driveway. Mm. You could have all the receivers you want. Give me J-Mo and uh, Frankie Hickson. Give me those good fullbacks. Give me those stud Canadian receivers. If you don't have an offensive line, you've got nothing. Football is one in the trenches. You got For the CFL, the formula has never changed. And you don't need me to tell you it, but it seems like I have to tell people this. Elite quarterback or elite quarterback play, they got to play above their heads like Cody did in 2019 or Dane Evans till last year. You got to have a great offensive line And you got to have stellar Canadians. I think the Riders have good but could be better Canadians, especially on the O-line. They they need an O-line and they need a quarterback. So they've got kind of one-third of that. We'll see what they can do in free agency. So I'm going O-line, quarterback, defend your home turf.
4: Hmm. How do you feel about that? I feel like I should have put an O-line on mine Because uh, I think that's arguably the biggest need outside Oh, Oh, huge Quarterback (laughs) Hey,
1: is that a a Milwaukee Bucks toke you have on? Yep So, the Bucks are playing tonight against the Toronto Raptors Right? First meeting of the year, I believe It's in Toronto? (sighs) You're a Bucks fan and you don't
4: even know this I believe it's in Milwaukee for some reason Really? Well, and then Toronto's. Dead. No, 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 no. This is this is the January fourth. It's in Toronto. Okay. Yep. Mark so, my words. You can look it up. It's in Toronto. I how are your
1: How are your Bucks been playing this year? I'm not gonna lie to you, man. The NBA. Giannis
4: put up 55 points last night. I like, baby.
1: I like Giannis because he plays inside mean basketball. I I watched that Shaq four part thing on Crave. I've not watched that. It's man. awesome. It reminds me back of the glory days with Kobe and Shaq. And that was that was kind of the age. Like you know, I. Love the '90s when Derek they were, Fisher. Well, yeah, no, but like the '90s with the Pistons and the Bulls and banging and crashing, you know what I mean? '80s, '90s, and 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 then the Lakers in the early 2000s. Now it's just a three point. I know, I know. I'm bored of it. I know. I'm bored of it. I know. It's
4: very boring. It I, is very boring sometimes. I and rather, I'm a big. Ba- I'm a big like basketball NBA Milwaukee Bucks fan, and, and there are some games where it's hard to watch. I'm not, I would. No, I'm, I
1: would take a two one soccer game every day of the week over an NBA game, right? Now. I would. I'm not a big fan. Not a big fan. I've lost interest in the Lakers. Not a big LeBron fan. Can't wait till he retires. I say the Bucks by 10 tonight. Bucks
4: are going to beat the Raptors. There's no doubt. Although if, you know, the last couple of years, the Raptors have kind of had the Bucks number for some reason. But uh, I don't think that's going you'll to be, be the watching case tonight.
1: it. You'll be ordering some Western pizza. Watch now, won't you? I'll be I'll be operating the oh! pass game,
4: but you better believe that I'm going to be ordering something in to eat here. And Western, have the game on the TV. Western pizza is coming. Yeah, and and the basketball game will be on TV. No, the hockey
1: game will not be. <laughs> I'm going to be watching the Bucks. We'll yeah. be back with more of the sports cage after the five o'clock news on six twenty on <laughs> Facebook.
0: Sports talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of The Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. All
1: right, welcome back to The Sports Cage. One of our great guests is Mike Kelly from the NHL Network. How are you today, Mike? Happy New Year, by the way. Hey, Happy New Year to you, too. I'm good. Talk about how insane Connor Bedard is. Sometimes stats lie and are overrated. Not in this case.
9: No, I mean, this guy, he's doing things at his age that have never been done in the tournament. And, uh, you know, pretty short list of people who have done what he's done at the tournament at all. And it's crazy to think that, you know, if, if he wanted, he could play two more years of world junior hockey, which of course he won't. But uh, it, it's insane how much better he is than everybody else. Like, it's just, he's on a completely different planet. And um, the overtime goal was the perfect example, right? He had a good scoring chance, got stopped, kind of recircled the puck. Looked at everything and said, yeah, I'll well, just do it myself. And he did. Um, so it's crazy. I think the one thing maybe that, you know, flies a little under the radar with him, everybody's focused so much on a shot and he's got a shot that's better than most NHL players already, which is a lot wild to think about. Crazy. His playmaking ability mm-hmm. is so good, is so good. And that's what makes him such a threat, right? Is that he's got great vision. Um, you can find guys in great areas and you have to respect the shot because it's already top end NHL caliber.
1: So who would you compare him to? I've asked a lot of smart hockey people. You'd be in that category. Who do you compare him to if you're trying to I know it's tough to project because he's seven, he is you just said it he's 17 years old. He took his mom's rav uh, not that long ago to go to go get his license. I mean that's how young this guy is. Okay. He told me that. So serious who would you compare him to though in the nhl or who do you project him to be like
9: yeah you know what i think he's a bit of a mixed bag of current guys but i heard one person put it really well and uh, that was craig button and um he said like steve eiserman and i I thought you know what that's that's really good i think because um again he he can score and he will score 50 goals in the nhl at some point maybe not before long who knows um but he can have just as many and certainly more assists. He's, like I said, as good a playmaker, if not better, as he is a scorer. And that's what makes him such a dangerous player. Like, he's not... Uh, you look at some of the premier goal scorers, Ovechkin, Matthews, you know, they they, they score as well as anybody um, in the league for sure. His playmaking is so far ahead uh, of, of guys like that, though. So um, I thought the Eisenman comparison was a really good one. And, you know, current players today... Maybe once he's a few years into his career, we'll say, you know what? Nobody in the league has his blend of pure goal scoring and playmaking ability. Although Connor McDavid's kind of showing that he can score a ton too this year.
1: Yeah, that that is unthinkable, switching to the other Connor. Like uh, uh, how can you have Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl and lose 5 games in a row on home ice and you had uh, two-goal leads in three of those games. Like it, the Oilers are fun to watch but they're very frustrating to watch too.
9: Oh, no kidding. I mean, the, obviously the power play is huge for them. Connor and Leon are going to score a ton of points uh, as they always do. And I would be frustrated if I was an Oilers fan because you're thinking we've got these two players will be hall of famers and Connor is going to go down as one of the best ever. And Leon is incredible in his own right. Um, and we're struggling to, to get, you know, be in playoff spots. We're struggling to win playoff series um, and, and, you know, not getting to see these guys go real deep too often. So it, it would be frustrating. Um, you know, I was looking at the, the calendar year 2022 and so that's the second half of last year and the first half of this year. Um, Jack Campbell, in terms of goals saved above expected, was was the bottom goalie in the NHL. Uh, and he certainly struggled this year. Stuart Skinner's had good spots, obviously, but he was pulled in his last game um, against Seattle, although I didn't think it was really so much his fault. But goaltending, still a question mark with that team. Five-on-five uh, five play, still a question mark at times. You know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is having such a good year. Um, I don't think he gets talked about enough, but missing Vander Kane is huge. Uh, he really solidifies the top six and balances a lot of things out for them. Um, so they've, you know, they're, they're still very much an imperfect team. They just happen to have arguably the two best players in the league. Hey, you talked about
1: a guy there, Leon Dreisaitl, Uh, you know, PA Raider. He wasn't impactful right away when he got to the NHL. Do you think Connor Bedard can be more impactful or will be than Leon Dreisaitl? I know once again, it's a, I'm not holding you to this pr- prediction, by the way.
9: Yeah, it's if I had to guess I'd say probably more impactful. Um like I like I said I mean Leon in if, if you ask him he'll tell you the best part of his game is his passing ability. Mm-hmm. Um he, he is an elite elite passer, arguably the best in the game. Um and then you know he scored 50 goals in a season and and can put the puck in that out also. I I guess small sample and all that it's hard to imagine Connor Bedard coming into the league next season and not scoring 25, 30, maybe more goals. And like I said, his playmaking ability is elite. So, um, you know, you try not to get too caught up in the hype of a small tournament, but we've seen what he's done uh, with Regina also. Um, Mm -hmm. I I don't don't see how he doesn't step in right away and be a very good player.
1: This guy's a great follow. At Mike Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y-N-H-L, and of course at the NHL Network. Is there a guy in the league that doesn't get a lot of publicity that you really like to watch that kind of flies under the radar I have one in mind that I watched on the weekend but I want to get your thoughts first
9: in the NHL yeah, yeah. Um, well I mentioned Nugent Hopkins uh, you know he he got on the board last night too and he came into the night tied for ninth in points with Ovechkin and Kaprizov and if you take those three names and break the percentages down of who gets talked about the most Nugent is probably you know two percent of that so Um, I I think he's been great this year. Guys I like to watch. um, That's a really good question. Um, Here's one for me, and I'll get
1: your comment on him, okay? Tage Thompson of the Buffalo Sabres. Like, yeah, I know you've talked about him on Twitter, and he's obviously, you're not the only one talking about him, but I watched him, uh, Buffalo in Boston. And for a big guy, he can dangle.
9: It is wild. Um, So he shoots the puck harder than anybody. Um, it, there's there's stats that measure you know velocity of shots, and nobody touches 100 miles an hour more than he does, and we saw him score with that one timer in Ovi's literally in Ovi's office last night in Washington. Um, and but the behind the back pass that he made in the Sabers' first goal, like that's that's the hands that you talk about. It's a combination unlike anyone else in the league, and like I've said it before, and it's it's a crazy thing to say, but that combination of size and hands is, is like Mario was. Um. Not comparing the two players. Don't want, don't want outrage coming my way, but uh, <laughs> but in that sense, it's true. And so yeah, no, he's 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 kind of turned into must-watch TV for sure. And Alex Tuck um, is racking up the points as well. Jeff Skinner on that line also. Like that that line, Buffalo scores a ton. They just struggle to defend and, and keep pucks out of their net, but. Yeah, Tage is must see TV. No question.
1: I don't know why. I, I, of course, I've told you before in this uh, show, and and everybody that listens knows I'm an Oilers fan. That one night in Edmonton on a cold winter night when they weren't playing well, and Sam Gagne had eight points. Sam, <laughs> Sam Gagne scored a goal last night, you know, went off his backside or whatever, went into the net. They beat Calgary, the Winnipeg Jets. Put a smile on my face because He's just, he's hanging around, grinding it out. Looks like he's having fun playing the game. And I think, what, 39 years old?
9: Yeah, well, he's one of those guys you root for, for sure. Um, if you've ever had a chance to talk to him, I have, you know, very briefly uh, before. He's just an awesome guy and, and someone you're happy for that's continuing their NHL career and, you know, finding a way to contribute in different ways. And uh, yeah, he went to the net and kind of got the leg up and hit him and stick in the butt, whatever. He hit him in and went in. But, um, you know, good to see obviously, and uh, that was a good win for the jets in that game and you know they're they 're playing some pretty good hockey
1: you know what I, I aged him more than he was. I feel like he 's thirty nine he 's only thirty three almost thirty four years of age, but he feels like he's a, he 's been yeah, it feels like he 's been around that long for sure absolutely and I, and i wouldn 't really call the jets a surprise, but they are the the nice bounce back team along with vegas aren 't they
9: yeah, and uh, I think the only question people really had with Vegas was the goaltending, and, you know, I, I did a pretty deep dive as, as much as you can on a guy who's played 20 games prior on Logan Thompson, and I thought he would be good enough to to hold the fort there, and he's, he's been good. Um, Winnipeg, you know, I give a lot of credit to Rick Bonus and the coaching staff, also the players for buying in. And, you know, Paul Maurice, you look at his resume, his career resume, you, you can't argue that the fact that he's a good coach, so no one's suggesting that. But you could suggest that the players weren't buying in. Um, I mean, the guy left the team and said, that there's nothing more I can do. I don't know what more evidence you need than that. Um, mm-hmm. And the Winnipeg Jets the last few years really disjointed in the defensive zone, didn't defend well in their own end at all. And it was in Achilles' heel because they could score and they've got a great goalie. This year, they're all connected in the defensive zone. They are defending well, not elite, but well enough that when you couple that with Connor Hellebuck uh, and what they can do offensively, um, you get a good team, and you know Nick Ehlers missed a ton of the season, and he'll be back, and uh, just even more danger there. Cole Perfetti's top five among rookies in scoring, um, so they're, they're, I want to see them in the playoffs. I want to see that team in a playoff series um, because I I think they can make a little bit of noise, and and I like watching them. Mark Scheifele, I'm doing a segment on him on the NHL Network on Friday. One of the biggest statistical anomalies I've seen in a long time. Is you know the, the guy's got nine assists. He had one last night. Uh, Twenty-three goals. So that in and of itself isn't that uncommon. But some of the playmaking stats I'll get in the underlying numbers on the chances he's creating. It's insane that he has nine assists. Like he could have twenty-five easily if people were finishing on what he sets up.
1: <laughs> one of my favorite guests on the show, Mike Kelly, NHL Network. You can follow his work on Twitter at Mike Kelly NHL and on the NHL Network. Thanks for your time, Mike.
9: I always get chatting with you.
0: The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Well, we've got a lot of free agents out in the CFL market. I think February
1: 15th is free agency, if I'm not mistaken. At um, noon Eastern time is when it officially gets going. Most sought-after free agent is Hamilton Tiger Cats quarterback Bo Levi-Mitchell. They own his rights, but he says he's going to free agency. According to a Three Down Nation, these are the other top five free agents. Gino Lewis, Montreal Alouettes, number two. Jake Saresna, D. Lyman, Edmonton Elks. Uh, Falarin Oramalade from the Stampeders defensive lineman. Quarterback Trevor Harris of the Montreal Alouettes. Just looking for some other quarterbacks that are free agents. Um, McLeod Bethel-Thompson comes in at 15. Ooh. And then I guess the, the next one would be Cody Fajardo at 25, who is benched at the end of 2022. I'm surprised at the big gap between Trevor
4: Harris and McLeod Bethel. Excuse me, Bethel Thompson. Five to fifteen.
1: Yeah, well, uh, Trevor Harris has had a pretty good uh, career. Uh, more proven, I guess he is older than McLeod Bethel Thompson by a few years. McCloud's thirty-four. Harris is thirty-seven. So we earlier in the show did uh, the Riders twenty twenty-three schedule based on other quarterback. Now that could be Cody Fajardo back again, which I. C- you think he's gonna come back?
4: No, there's no chance.
1: I can't see it. I cannot see a scenario where Cody comes back. But if they don't get bullied by Mitchell in free agency, where do they go? Do they go after Trevor Harris? Do they do what you thought, McLeod, Bethel Thompson? I think it's I think it's still gonna be McLeod Bethel Thompson. They could stick it to my word. Nick Garbuckle's out there. You could probably get a Dane Evans in a trade if Hamilton ties up him. their money. Oh, yeah, God. no, he's uh, Oh. He had a he didn't show very well mentally last year in Hamilton. And if that's a pressure cooker, what do you think Saskatchewan is? So we went through the riders' schedule with other quarterback. Could be McLeod Bethel Thompson, could be Trevor Harris, could be whoever, okay? And we both we can't we, we picked different wins and losses in the eighteen game schedule, but we both ended up with an eight and ten record for the Rough Riders, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's without Bo Levi Mitchell. This is with Bo Levi Mitchell. And I for one believe, and I haven't talked to anybody, I like you have been on holidays just resting. I believe if the riders can get Bo here, show him around, and I'm I my sources are telling me that he still plans to go to free agency, which would mean he's gonna come here and check things out before he signs. I believe once he sees what we have to offer, everything, bang for your buck, city, things for his young daughters who are five and three. The facility The at facility Mosaic. where he's going to spend a lot of his time, let's be honest. Uh, there are nice studio here. Yeah, our studio where he could help me out, do a radio show. There's lots of things this guy could do, okay? Anyway, so here we go. I say it's sixty forty. he's here coin flip at worst 60-40 he comes here. That's my opinion. Okay, I think right now in Bo's mind he wants it to be Saskatchewan somehow. It's just we have a tenuous situation at best with our coach, our coach and GM are all lines in a state of flux. Uh, what happens to one of his big weapons, Kean Schaefer Baker, does he come back? He just worked out for the New England Patriots, so there's still lots in the wind. Stay tuned. But let's go on the premise, Bo signs here. Let's go for uh, through the record, okay? Your Riders were six and twelve last year. Now this is way too early. You can't hold us to this. This is with Bo as our quarterback. Riders open up guaranteed win night in Edmonton against the Elks. What do you got there? One and O Riders. O and one Riders. Wow, what's going on? Well, they're getting used to Bo Levi Mitchell. They're still got to figure things out. Riders home to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers June sixteenth for their home opener. By the way, stupid, we play them three times in a year, but I digress. Hmm. One and one, Riders lose. Riders zero and two. 0-2 0-2 start, we're taking calls See, I told you he's washed up See, I told you, what a waste We drove Cody out of town You see, Ballsy, you suck Every <laughs> You don't know what you're talking about This is brutal Oh, fire day. get rid of Dickinson <clears throat> Huffnagel and Dave Dickinson Knew it all along, look, we're so stupid Okay, so the 0-2 Riders go to Calgary for a juicy Game against the Stamps A 5 o'clock kickoff on June 24th, who do you got?
4: Stampeders.
1: Wow. So you got the riders (laughs) at one and two, and I've got the riders with a victory there one and two. I can't, uh, the thing is, though, I can't remember if I had the riders winning this without.
4: Bully by that game. Uh, you I did. did I, you
1: did have the Riders winning that one with I,
4: I I. I. I'm gonna have to go back and say the Riders win this game. So you got the Riders two and one. Yes.
1: And I got the Riders one and two. Then the Rough Riders are home to the Edmonton Elks. They avenge that season opening loss. They're two and two. Yeah, the Riders win that one. So you got them three and one. Three and one
0: football. TV. Calgary
1: Stampeders roll rolling here for a five o'clock kickoff on July 15th. I got the Riders winning again over Calgary. They're three. The and two. Riders are gonna win it. Okay, so you got them. What you're four they're, and one? We're four and one, baby. Boy, you're rolling. Then I got the Riders going to the British Columbia Lions. Riders lose that one. They're coming off an emotional high over Calgary. Got to go to the left coast. Never an easy game. I think the Riders lose and they drop to three and two. Yeah, they're gonna lose that one. Okay, so you got them at uh, four, four and, and two football. Team, four and two. What do I have, baby? Uh, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's do this again. One, one two. One and two. Two and two, three and two. Oh, yeah, three and three. My yeah, team, three and three. My yeah. riders are three and three. Mine are four and two. Okay. Then I've got the riders going to Toronto and they win. They're four and three. No, oh, another loss for that, the riders. That's in, that's in Halifax, yeah. by the way. Yeah. They win this version of the Atlantic game. So they're four and three and you got the riders at what? Four and three. Same thing. Okay. Then, oh, sorry,
4: sorry. Three and four. Three and four. They're losing at that. You got game, the riders right? at three and four. No, wait. I'm so sorry, everybody.
1: Four and three, ballsy. So time. we're the same, just different. Yes. Okay. So I've got them four and three. You've got them four and three after seven games. Yes. Then I've got the Red Blacks at Saskatchewan. Riders are five and three. They win that one convincingly. I yeah, say. big time win. Yeah, big time win. Big time win. Then the Riders go to the Alouettes. They always suck in Montreal. Riders five and four. They lose. Yeah, I just I'm gonna say they're gonna lose that one. So you got them five and four too. I hate playing there. Yeah. And then the Riders are home to the BC Lions, and they'll beat Vernon Adams and Cody Fajardo in the Lions, because I think Cody ends up there. Six and four Riders. Six and four for okay, me good. as well. Okay, good. Okay, good. Then next, the Riders tr- are uh, home to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That's a Labor Day beatdown. We serve known as the Labor Day game ours again after three tries here. Yep. Riders win seven and four. Yep. And then the Riders go to Winnipeg and they lose a con- a tough game with Bo Levi Mitchell as their quarterback in his first Labor Day rematch game. Notice how I said it there. Riders lose their seven and five. Bo Levi flips the script. Ooh. And wins wow. the Labor Day rematch. So, so you got them eight and four. Eight and I got and them four. seven and five. Then the Riders play the Edmonton Elks and. They're still reeling from that tough loss and they lose to Chris Jones at home. They're seven and six.
4: Yeah, what's gonna happen is we're gonna be riding high. Mm. We win the Labor Day game. Yeah. We go, we win the Labor Day rematch. Yeah. We come home, we think we're just gonna trounce the Edmonton Elks. Yeah, and then guess what? We're gonna lay an absolute egg. dinosaur
1: egg okay, and so you, lose the football game. The Rider is gonna chase everybody out. Okay. You got five, eight. Yeah, Bo's too old. <laughs> he can't. He doesn't have the stamina. So you've got them at the eight, eight and five. five. I got them team. seven and six. Then we gotta hurry up here because we're against the clock. R- Riders are in Ottawa. No. They they win that game I got them now at uh, at uh, 8 and 6. Yeah, they win 9 and 6 or okay. 9 and 5. Sorry. 9 and 5. Then the Saskatchewan Roughriders go to the BC Lions and lose their 8 and 7. They win. Okay. Then I've got them going to the, uh, or the Tiger Cats coming here and the Riders win their 9 and 7. They win. Okay. 11 and 5. Okay. Then I've got the Rough Riders going to Calgary where they lose this time to the Stamps. They are 9 and 8. They lose 11 and 6. Okay. And then I got the Rough Riders wrapping up the season with a win over the Toronto Argonauts 10 and 8.
4: They win. 12 and 6 football wow. team with so Bo you, Levi So baby. you got
1: them sick, doubling their win total with Bo Levi Mitchell as our quarterback. I got them 10 and 8. Uh, get to the playoffs and anything can happen. Well, I said 8 and 10 without Bo
4: Levi. Yeah. And so that's four more wins yeah. with Bo no, Levi. No, no,
1: but six compared to last uh, year. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And
1: I got two more with Bo, Le- uh, Bo Levi. See that juicy record? 12 and 6. I got them 10 and 8. Keep that. Can we'll we see. mail this to Bo Levi? Yeah, we should. Get here, man. <laughs> When we come back, more of the Sports Cage after the 5.30 news and the way-too-early predictions from Zinger and Balsey, We don't have a quarterback. We have no O-line. We don't even know what the hell's going on. But we got the rider pride. We got that rider pride! I feel it deep inside is right...
4: All right, we're getting set here for Canada-USA and one half of the other semifinal. The one earlier today was uh, Sweden losing to Czechia in a heartbreaker. 2-1 to one was the final score in favor of Czechia. Yuri Kulic with the game-winning goal in overtime. So uh, about to drop the puck. I'm looking at Gord Miller right now. He's getting set. He's looking mighty fine. Hopefully the Canadians look mighty fine tonight as well. Quick look at the NHL. Uh, New Jersey Devils in Detroit, Tampa Bay, and Minnesota tonight. Dallas at the Honda Center. Hey, that's a familiar building. That one is also. And Facebook.
0: You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
4: Wednesday's Pat Chat, the Regina Pats are getting set to take on the Brandon Wheat Kings tonight at 7 o'clock. The pregame show will be on the air at 6.35 with Dante DeCaria. about a half hour or so after the sports cage. Yesterday on the sports cage, Michael Ball was joined by the head coach and general manager of the Regina Pats, John Paddock. And John talked about the big trade yesterday of Matthew Keeper.
10: Yeah, I just I think it was uh, sort of mutually this. Matthew and I talked about more opportunity. He had a good start to the season, and things went a little bit sideways, and he's a good goaltender. You know, for us, the return is Edmonton's fourth-round pick, so it's right at the top of the fourth round, so some ways you could view it as a third-rounder. We're confident in Drew, and, and uh, Kelton Pine's a good young goalie, so that's why it was made. Coach, do you like the GM side better or the coaching side better? <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough question because I think that as much as anything – you're doing it all and you're, you know, you have some control or say over everything. You know, the coaching is really exciting and the best part for me always at 7 o'clock at night. Like that's, <laughs> that's when you're playing and that's when you, your decisions can make a difference in the game when it might be just having somebody take a face off. Like, it might be the smallest thing that nobody ever notices or sees or thinks about. The manager part is quite often, you know, projecting down the road on draft picks and trades and it's just a different, uh, Adrenaline rush.
1: Connor Bedard with a, with a puck on his string and just deking out three guys and then the goalie. You see it in a practice. You see it during the games. What are you seeing from your uh, sniper in this tournament, if you get a chance to watch much of it, uh, that, uh, you know, is there something else you're seeing from him, or is it just uh, as per advertised?
10: Lots of people texting me that, you know, we only talk or see each other once a year, talking about uh, how he's looked, and I, you know, I'm saying there's, My final response was: There's just no words to describe it. If you're doing this as a 19-year-old, it would be much the same reaction, but it'd be like you know, sort of half-expected for us. uh, I don't think anything he does surprises, but overall, in the big picture, to do what he's doing at 17 and shattering the records of the people he's shattering is crazy. And uh, was it expected at any time? No, just because you know, you just don't expect it. But when you look at him and what he can do, you know, on our team and what. He does and stuff. You know, the flip side of that is for me is in some ways I'm never surprised. Oh, yeah. It's going to
4: be a good one tonight. Connor Bedard and Team Canada getting set to drop the puck against the United States of America in the semifinal. So we shall see what happens tonight. Fingers crossed that Canada can uh, get past the Americans and more locally. Yes, the Pats are in action tonight in Brandon against the Wee Kings. It's a seven o'clock puck drop pregame show at 635 with the voice of the Pats, Dante DiCaria.
0: The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
1: All right, just trying to catch up with our friend Farhan Lalji from TSN. He's obviously a busy guy with regards to uh, everything going on in the sporting world. And of course, still a top of mind is DeMar Hamlin, the safety of the Buffalo Bills. His toy drive before he got injured in that game on Monday night. He was trying to raise about 29, I think 2,500 bucks and he had raised 2,900 bucks. Something that he'd been doing for several months. Now, unfortunately slash fortunately, since he sustained that injury with that, uh, that just freak incident that happened in Cincinnati, that toy drive has been bolstered by the likes of, um, I think Troy Aikman's donated. Tom Brady's donated. Lots of great sports figures. Matthew Stafford. It's at around $5.5 million at last I saw. So uh, some excellent news there. Other excellent news. He is on a ventilator, but not using it as much. They're starting to see signs that he can breathe on his own. So says a family friend and his uncle. So uh, hopefully some more positivity coming out of the ICU area in that hospital in Cincinnati. When you think about Cincinnati... And I think it's called Paycor Stadium now. It used to be Paul Brown Stadium, which, by the way, how do you take Paul Brown's name off that stadium? Oh, man. Paul Brown, one of the great innovators in uh, – he's the reason we have headsets in football, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Like, this dude was uh, – <laughs> they, they basically named a football team after him, the Browns. And he was so pissed off, he came to Cincinnati after they got rid of him and created his own team, like with the same their colors, equipment. With their them. own equipment, and everything. <laughs> So uh, they, it's called Paycor Stadium, but when you think about it, go all the way back to when Vontes Burfect smoked Antonio Brown on that turf. Yeah. Then you had, of course, Tua Tunga Violoa earlier this season with the whole seizure on the field after the concussion. Mm-hmm. First of threes had this year in a couple of months. And then this terrible situation with Damar Hamlin. Cincinnati, has Got some bad uh, bad luck there, even though the football team is playing well. It's a Look,
4: decent stadium, though. I don't mind been that. There. You've been there. You said it's your pa- co- I saw the pass. Packers lose against the Cincinnati Bengals there in 2013. We were winning late in the game and we fumbled and they took it to the house and they won. Was that A.J. Green with Andy Dalton and uh, stuff? Yeah, that was A.J. Green, Andy Dalton. I think it was like 34-30 final score.
1: I was uh, really angry. Troy Vincent doesn't rule out postponement of the Patriots-Bills game. Um, I just, I don't know, man. I know you, I said yesterday, maybe push everything back a week, but they probably have venue issues maybe in terms of some of these other venues, especially the indoor venues. We even look at, uh um, SoFi stadium is going to be hosting the national college football championship yeah, game coming up on Monday. So there are other things going on, but, uh, yeah, still, uh, I'm sure the bills don't want to play till they know DeMar is uh, out of the woods and, and getting back to living. Cause his life is still very much in doubt. Once again, I'm of uh, a Christian background, so I'm praying for the guy, but however you want to send your wishes to him, I'm sure, uh, he'd take them without speaking for the guy. Um, so, yeah, there's there's that to talk about. Of course, we've got the World Junior Hockey Championship. You mentioned it in the sports ticker. Czechia scores late and then late in overtime to beat Sweden to keep their gold medal hopes alive. They're going to be taken on either Canada or the USA. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm into winning money mm-hmm. and I could have won a nice chunk of change with a very small bet. I had a hockey parlay. Lumped in with that Monday Night Football game But they gave me the parlay part That I won and of course I don't get that Buffalo Cincy game Which I don't care about obviously that pales in comparison To Hamlin but I do like the bet a little bit I put I put a I put a 10 ski on this game uh, With a couple you of NHL the games states, you? I did I picked the United States to win this game yeah. I don't like how Canada looks Hey, You, you don't like Canada's unis Ugly. But, but, look Ugly. At, but look
4: at the states Look at the states unis tonight Those are better than ours No no no. The no. Only, uh, look at the state's jerseys. Look, It's one red thin stripe around the whole jersey and the same thing on the sock. Like, who designed that oh, one? Oh, that is that is, is gross, that?
1: too. That's gross. What is that? Those both look like practice jerseys. Like, it's a tune-up game at the and, at the Al Ritchie. And, like, Canada's wearing white,
4: and they're wearing black helmets, yeah. and then the states, they're wearing their patented dark unis
1: with white helmets. Yeah. It's like everything's just all... Weird. Should be good. I hope Canada, well, if Canada wins, I won't. This is the kind of game when you bet on it, you're not sad because if Canada wins, you're happy and you didn't bet a lot. And if Canada loses, you're mad, but you won some money maybe. Yeah. The worst case scenario would be for Canada to lose and then the rest of my parlay to Would it be collapse. bad
4: if I said that I really don't care who wins or loses? I kind
1: of don't either. Outside of Bedard, I really
4: don't care. Like, I love, Conor Bedard. Don't I get love me wrong, Connor Bedard. I love like, Connor
1: Bedard. I do, but man, I don't really care. I don't really I care. Actually, after the Hockey Canada BS. Hawks
4: game on yet? No, no,
1: no. I don't even care about that. No. After the Hockey Canada crap with hiding stuff and all that stuff. Yeah, man. And with what the Chicago Blackhawks allegedly did with their video coach, I've actually lost a lot of interest in hockey. I do. They're all great athletes, don't get me wrong. Um, highly skilled. I do love watching Connor McDavid play. He's fun to watch. Leon Dreisidle, some of these oh, guys. One nothing states. United States just scored. Cooley. 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 Logan Cooley. moves hey, Oh, you see that the puck went through my goalie pad. Right through the wickets. It went five hole and now we're down one nothing.
0: One nothing for the U.S.
1: Anyway, so Canada's losing Michael Ball up in his bet. Um so, yeah, uh going to be very interesting to see what the NFL does. Very interesting to see if Canada can work its way back. I'll tell you what, too, man. I do not, I don't understand why I went like this. Like, I could be a Packer fan. I could be a, uh, a Yankees fan. I could be like, why do I cheer for teams that really generally have no hope? The Padres have a bit of hope. Okay. They're spending money now. The Chargers are going to be in the playoffs, but let's be honest. They always charger it. <laughs> and the Edmonton friggin' Oilers, David Lee Roth put more effort into his time with Van Halen than half of the Oilers do with their team. That's saying something. Because David Lee Roth, if you know Van Halen, had one foot out the door his entire tenure with Van Halen. And that's how I feel I'm watching the Edmonton Oilers play hockey. Hey, they're still in the playoff spot as of yeah, who right cares? now. Yeah, BS. By one point, yeah. they're up on the Colorado avalanche by one point. The The Edmonton Oilers are like an old person having sex. Oh, here we go. Slow, (laughs) jerky, and not very good. You heard it here Most first. Most of the time.
4: <laughs> anyway, drives me nuts. At least, uh, I hate going back to the unis all the time, but at least the Oilers went back to their main blues. Those are nice
1: unis. Absolutely. Sexy. Sexy. Canada deserves to lose wearing this. They should wear a potato sack. That's embarrassing. Uh, well, It's embarrassing. Anyway. Look at the States though, man. <laughs> when we come the back. red stripe. You guys
4: feel like you're listening to TLC. I, I, I guarantee not one of those jerseys is selling the pro shop. You know, like American fans walk in the pro shop and they see that they'd be like what, what's this hey, hey, with Canada. Uh,
1: hey one other sporting note for you are you surprised uh chez Purifoy's cut by the bc Lions? yeah i am i th- i could see him back in uh riderville interesting i think they do regret not having him here last year their dbs did get exposed that's going to be very interesting i like that point okay when we come back we are going to take a trip down memory lane how far to the start of the show. We call it Where Are They Now? Now, I bring this up because Al Murdoch's a guy that's been around this station for a long time. He's our big voice guy. He was also the voice of the Winter Classic, the New Year's Day or January 2nd game at Fenway Park between the Bruins and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he's the voice of the Vancouver Canucks public address inside the rink. He'll join us on the Sports Cage next. This is the Sports Cage on 620.
0: <laughs> They're the names we speak with reverence or scream out loud. The names that help define us, inspire us, and build the game that we all love. Each Wednesday on the Sports Cage, we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard. This is Where Are They Now?
1: Okay, so we don't have to go that far back in this Where Are They Now feature. Like, try. 3:07 today when we uh, got on the phone line with this guy, but I thought it was worth replaying. Al Murdoch is the longtime voice of 6:20 CKRM, and more specifically, you hear him here on the sports cage from three until six o'clock in our new time slot. Just got a text from the leader post, Rob Banstone. He said he's loving the shows. Happy New Year to me and you, Zinger. Even you, even you, even you. So anyway, this is where Are they now, and Al is in the spotlight. Al Murdoch. It's brought to you by Four coverings international need new floors let floor coverings international bring their mobile showroom to you visit their website for your free consultation al murdoch voice of the sports cage voice of 620 ckrm also public address announcer for the vancouver canucks and uh, it was new year's day uh, no sorry it was january 2nd wasn't it Second? Yeah. And I'm driving around, and my buddy Sean Kleisinger texts me and says, I I think Al Murdoch is the voice of the outdoor classic. So I didn't get to see it. I rewound the game, and yeah, sure enough, Al's the guy, and he's joining us now on the Western Pizza Hotline. Happy New Year, Al.
0: Happy New Year to you, and happy to be on the Radio Octagon.
1: Oh, it's awesome, man. So my first question to you is... When did you realize you had a great voice?
0: Um, I was probably six, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> I, mean, I remember uh, uh, turning on the radio uh, for the first time and hearing a voice come out of that little speaker, and I, and I felt an instant connection uh, with that voice and whoever it was talking to me. And from that moment on, and I, I think I knew I wanted to do something with my voice, so I just... Started practicing at start, about six years old.
1: Okay, so that's perfect because I started practicing to being the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders when I was six, broadcasting on my grandparents' front grass in Indian Head, Saskatchewan, making up, making up stats, talking to myself, the neighbor probably looking at me, who's the weird kid throwing the ball to himself. <laughs> so that's what I did. But where did you practice?
0: Um, You know what? I practiced everywhere. Uh, I remember my father bringing home a transistor radio that that dates us a little bit. Um, uh, And it had a little leather strap on it. So I would, uh, you know, ride my bike around the neighborhood, you know, mocking, not really mocking, but uh, listening to the voices coming out and then doing impressions of those voices as I was riding around the neighborhood. You'd think you got some weird looks. (laughs) (laughs) Al, so
1: um, who made an impression on you? Who did you try to copy or emulate?
0: Oh, gosh, back then, um, I mean, I was six. I I probably can't remember most of the names, but I remember years later, uh, you know, graduating from from high school and and going down to one of the local radio stations here in uh, Vancouver and uh, just kind of, you know, dropping by the station every second day for four weeks until they hired me. And some of those big voices, one of which was uh, a man by the name of John Ashbridge. And Mm -hmm. John was uh, uh, this big, booming news voice uh, for the news station out here. And not only that, but he was the public address announcer for the Vancouver Canucks. So imagine being an 18-year-old kid right out of high school, getting a job after persistence, and then sitting down, operating the control board, and the big voice of John Ashbridge comes in and says, Who are you? And then I'm said I'm Al. Oh, well, I'm John Ashbridge. I go I know. And <laughs> from that moment on, uh, to to go years later and to take over for John Ashbridge as the PA voice here in Vancouver was uh, was a dream come true.
1: So how long, Al Murdoch, have you been doing public address for the Vancouver Canucks?
0: Uh, it's going on 12 years now. Uh, John uh, had the job from 1987. Uh, onwards And then back when the Canucks and Bruins were going through that wonderful Stanley Cup final, well, leading up to that final, John actually had a health scare, had a heart attack in the first round of the playoffs. And I was the former uh, PA announcer for the Vancouver Grizzlies uh, here in Vancouver and still had a lot of connections with the company. So they phoned me up in a panic and said, listen, John's in the hospital. Can you come in and work a couple of games until he comes back? and that's kind of when it started and then as john came back of course he he only he missed two games because he was such a tough guy he uh, he came back and then started to want to scale back his his role Uh, as doing the PA and wanted to spend more time with his family and vacation and do all that kind of stuff. So we shared the role for a number of years and I officially kind of took over doing all the games in uh, 2016.
1: Al Murdoch, voice of 620 CKRM and the Sports Cage, also a public address announcer for the Vancouver Canucks. We'll get into the the Winter Classic in a second, but you mentioned Vancouver Grizzlies and my producer here, Sean Kleisinger, is a big Milwaukee Bucks fan. So I'm going to ask you a question. What is harder to do, public address announcer for basketball or hockey?
0: Well, uh, you know, obviously different games. uh, In in the NBA, there's potential scoring every 24 seconds. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're constantly having to be, uh, I mean, not like I'm not paying attention watching hockey, but because of the fact that there's so much scoring and there's so much going on, uh, you have to be maybe uh, a little bit more alert when you 're when you 're doing uh basketball because <clears throat> you 're right there at center court and you 're watching the plays and you 're calling fouls and you 're calling uh, you know scores and you 're doing all of that stuff but uh, hockey i mean it 's a different beast altogether um, i mean there 's there 's a lot going on there as well i mean i can 't it 's really really tough to compare those i mean i 've done baseball as well and baseball of course you 're basically just introducing the batters as they go up doing the scores at the end of the innings and all that stuff so there's uh there's there's pluses to to all sports
1: yeah absolutely al so do you have to do you have to kind of watch like do you get can you really watch and appreciate the game because you're there doing a job you got people in your ear you got to do stats you got to read like for instance you, you know Kobe Bryant's running by you, or Shaquille O'Neal. Do you do you kind of get caught up in the game a bit, or or Connor McDavid blowing down the wing, deaking out some people?
0: Well, you, you know you do you do admire the talents of all of these fantastic athletes, and I do remember when Michael Jordan came to uh, to Vancouver to play the Grizzlies for the first time with the Bulls, and there's that great classic story about him not having a great game uh i think he had scored maybe i don't know 12 points up until the uh, fourth quarter where he you know he he took himself out of the game in the third and then one of the players Derek martin uh of the grizzlies hit a three and put the grizzlies up i think probably by about seven or eight points and then looked at uh michael on the bench and said hey mike having an off game huh well that's when michael decided phil put me back into the game he scored 19 straight points and uh beat us
1: yeah that's crazy hey here's a grizzlies question for you if vince carter goes to the vancouver grizzlies and not the toronto raptors are the grizzlies still in the nba
0: you know what that's yeah that's a tough one um you know, Vince Carter was such a, a you know, a, a guy that affected uh, the game in itself so much and, of course, helped Toronto. But, you know, at the time, we came in at the same time. Uh, you know, we took Brian Big Country Reeves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they took different players. But you got to remember the size of the city that we are compared to Toronto. The, the, the amount of money that they had behind them to keep that franchise going, franchise going through the lean years. Uh, so whether we had Vince Carter, we had an opportunity, of course, to to get Steve Nash as he was coming into the draft. That would have been a wonderful guy, a local guy coming into the you know uh, the, the the market. You know, people ask me, you know, if we would have done things different, would would we still be here? Absolutely. But again, the dollar was under seventy cents. We were a smaller market. Um, you know, we had to sell the team. I mean, there's so many questions that uh, that I I don't have the answer to, unfortunately.
1: Al- Murdoch was the voice just this past week of the uh, Winter Classic, the Boston Bruins with a 2-1 win over the Pittsburgh Penguins at Fenway Park. What was that experience like?
0: Well, it's my third one that I've done. I've been lucky enough to, uh, back in 2019, was asked to to be a part of the production crew that goes to all of the big NHL signature events, the Winter Classic, the the All-Star Weekend, the Signature Series, and of course every couple of years with the uh, Heritage Classic in Canada. Uh, this one, at least for me personally, I mean, it could, we couldn't have picked a better day for the game. The weather was perfect. Uh, the venue couldn't have been more, uh, you know, ideal. Fenway Park to watch hockey. Green Monster in the background. Uh, the game a little slow to begin with but of course that third period was, was fantastic especially for Bruins fans so for me personally this by far was uh, the most fun for me
1: Hey speaking of that Al will you uh, will you get to call the uh, heritage classic uh, the Oilers and the Flames the 20th anniversary I believe of the very first outdoor game when Edmonton and Montreal played in that frigid game at Commonwealth in 2003 will you be behind the mic do you think for that one?
0: I will definitely be behind the mic for that one. Yeah, absolutely. and looking forward to it. Like I said, it's every couple of years, so we had a great time in Hamilton mm-hmm. uh, the last time around with the uh, the Leafs and the Buffalo Sabres, but uh, you know, to have that Battle of Alberta, that's going to be fun.
1: Yeah, for sure. Hey, d- listen, Mile High Roach, Alan Roach, voice of uh, yeah. does the NFL, the Super Bowl, you know him, just, but I'm just filling in the fans. He's the guy that's the Minnesota Vikings public address announcer and for the Colorado Avalanche. So he goes by Mile High Roach. What is Al yeah. Murdoch's nickname? You got to have a cool nickname when you got pipes like that.
0: Well, you know, growing up as an Al, you know, you always get the Big Al. Right. So you, you referred to me as Big Al Murdoch. I've always been Big Al Murdoch. And uh, if you want to reference that with a big voice, I'll take it any day. Well,
1: I can't. OK, there's one last thing I need you to do for me. OK, can you do this for uh, me? I need you yeah. to say in your deep voice, I hate broccoli.
0: I hate broccoli
1: (laughs) I love it Al, you're the best thanks for coming on
0: thank you Michael it's always great to talk to uh, the people of Virginia and all of Saskatchewan and again to be a part of the number one radio sports talk show in Saskatchewan it's the Sports Cage with Michael Ball I love it thanks man, take care Cheers. All the
1: best. God, I wish I had that voice. I wish I had Sean Kleisinger's voice. You're going to be a big-time public address announcer one day. You already do a great job for the Red Sox and Rams. Junior hockey on the TV. USA 1-0 over Canada. 10.40 to go in the opening period. Junior hockey on the airwaves tonight. 6.35 pregame show. Pats and the Brandon Wheat King. 7 o'clock face-off there from... Uh, Manitoba, and then the Pats are back here Friday against Seattle. Uh, see if Canada, in those ugly unis, can come back in this hockey game. I haven't really seen much of Bedard, what he's doing here, as I was uh, tied into that Al Murdoch interview. Hey, coming up on the show tomorrow, we got a new feature. Train with Tish. It's mm-hmm. a lifestyle segment. She's a pretty well-renowned um, fitness trainer that's helped the likes of Sheldon Kennedy. She's going to do a regular feature for us. Growing the game with ballsy Zelko Stefanovic, Sass Selects Football program, Ben Hebert, the curling legend, Farhan Lalji, Bob Stauffer from the Oilers radio network, betting with Andy McNamara, Glenn Suter. It's a jam-packed three-hour show coming up tomorrow right here on six twenty CKRM.
0: Today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. Six twenty CKRM.